This is episode number 263 with myself and my darling husband, Nick Broadhurst. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Welcome back to another episode of Yin and Yang Q&A with my husband, Nick Broadhurst, who has been on this show so many times. He does not need another introduction. So make sure you go and listen to all my other episodes with him and the two other Yin and Yang Q&As that we have done before. So basically, Yin and Yang Q&As are when we go out to you guys and we ask you all of your burning questions, and then we answer them together on the show from the masculine and the feminine perspective. And you guys sent us in so many questions. We got through all of them. It took us a while, but we got there. It's such a juicy and jam-packed episode. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that we chat about, a couple of the questions that we answered. It's so good. You do not want to miss it. So we chat about the best ways to discover your life's purpose, how to overcome self-sabotage and what's worked for us, what are our 10 most valuable and important life lessons, Can you still have a long-lasting relationship if there's a big age gap between you and your partner? This is a question we got asked and we answer. We also speak about long-distance relationships and how to thrive, not just survive, and how to deal with being apart for weeks at a time. We also speak about what kind of challenges we have in our relationship, how understanding the role of the masculine and feminine in the bedroom can help lead to incredible soulful sex, the unexpected benefits of going plant-based, what our thoughts are on drinking alcohol. We also share what we eat in a day, the truth about making plant-based eating work when you are socializing and caught off guard. This was a question we got asked a lot, so we really wanted to give you guys some juicy information here. We also talk about what contraception we use, the secret nutritional hacks we turn to when we're feeling unwell and off, the best tools to overcome PTSD, and these have changed my life. What's the secret to getting white teeth without nasty toxins? This was a question we got asked a lot, which I thought was very interesting. Our hard-won wisdom on blended families and how to make them work. We also answer 
one of the most common questions that we get asked, which is, are we planning on having babies? And we answer this question in this episode for you. And we also talk about what you can expect from my TED Talk and why it's worth the wait. But there is so much more that you guys are going to get in this episode. It's so juicy. And for everything that Nick and I mentioned in the episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 263. But before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it is a five-star review. And it comes from Lauren Minicozzi. And it is titled, Melissa is the definition of game changer. And she says, know a thought leader and want to hear their story? I can guarantee Melissa has already got an episode with them. She is ahead of the game and is the definition of the game changer. She continues to bring on inspiring and motivating leaders who help shift your perception and give you motivation to live your best life or, as she would say, create epic change. I remember listening to her first ever episode and knowing this was going to be my go-to forever. Thank you so much for your holistic approach and continuing to inspire and motivate your audience daily. It's because of this podcast, I came into contact with Dr. Stephen Cabral, who has changed my life. Truly blessed, I have been on this journey from the start and love how you show the importance of the integration between mind, body, and wellness. The time you dedicate in order to give society this information shows how much you value creating change and you do it all for free. Beautiful soul. Thank you, Melissa. You are amazing. Lauren, thank you so much. That is possibly one of the most beautiful reviews I've ever read. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I feel a little bit emotional. It's really, really sweet of you. Thank you so much, honey. And I'm just so glad that Firstly, you've been here from the start. Thank you so much. And for your kind words and that you're getting so much from every episode, that brings me so much joy. And that's exactly why I do it, to help people like you. So thank you so much, Lauren. I'm very grateful. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you have to do is head to iTunes and leave me your five-star review right now. And now, without further ado... Let's bring on my gorgeous husband and let's begin this yin and yang Q&A with myself and Nick Broadhurst. Welcome back to another episode of yin and yang Q&A with myself and me. Yay! You guys love these episodes so much, which is why we thought we'd do one more before the year is out. So we got over 100 questions in 24 hours from our beautiful Instagram family, and we are going to try and dive in and get through as many as possible. Sounds good to me. Yes, I'm so excited. We've kind of broken them up into different areas. So we're going to dive in and yin and yang Q&A is all about giving the yin and the yang perspective on each situation or each question. So if you have never listened to a yin and yang Q&A episode, go back and listen to them because they are so deep and juicy, aren't they? Mm, They're fun. Love them. They're so much fun. Well, thank you for being here. 
Thank you. Actually, I have a question for you before we get started. Mm-hmm. What did you have for breakfast today? Oh, well, I have been having this beautiful, delicious smoothie and it's Saturday morning and I decided to mix it up and have oats and they were really watery and they weren't very good, were they? I, I said to her, I've made thousands of bowls of oats and never has one tasted bad. And somehow, I don't know what you did, but I don't know. this one did not taste very good. <laughs> How do you make oats, blueberries, maple syrup and papaya taste bad? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I was, I was trying to cook a curry at the same time and I don't think all my love and attention was on it. Well, the curry does smell really good. And we're having actually former guest of the show coming for lunch today. Yes, we're having Andy Mant, who is the owner and creator and founder of Blue Blocks, the blue light blocking glasses. He's coming over with his beautiful partner today for lunch. So we're cooking up a feast. Awesome. Can't wait. All right, darling, let's dive in. We've got some life personal development type questions. And the first one is, how do you find your life's purpose and passion? They're different things. Are they? Are they different things? Yeah, I think they're possibly different. So we've spoken about this quite a bit. And for me personally, I always like the simplification of this down to we all have the same purpose. And our purpose is to be of service because nothing feels quite as good as when you are not even helping others, but doing something to be of service. It could be smiling at someone. It could be being involved in a charity. It could be just doing something kind, a random act of kindness. It could be helping animals, cleaning up the beach. One of the things I love is cleaning up the beach, you know? So I think, first of all, if we can simplify this question by saying that, well, we all have the same purpose. We're all here to be of service. And how we do that, we do that through, hopefully, our passion, which is the other part of this question, right? Mm, I love that simplification of it. Your purpose is to be of service and you do that through your passion. So whether that's music for you or writing books for me or podcasting, find the medium in which you can be of service. Might be pottery, it might be dancing, it might be creating art. Find those things that really light you up. You actually don't even really need to find them. You just need to dig deep within yourself and uncover them. Because sometimes as children, we get told that we can't make money from our art and we put our passions on the shelf up the top to collect dust. But I want you to get your passions down from that shelf, dust off the dust, and start to incorporate that into your life. Do those things that really light you up and then share that with the world and be of service through your passion. And to give an example, it doesn't have to be something grand. For You know, you might be someone who loves carpentry or gardening. Let's take carpentry, for example. And let's say you make a living out of carpentry and you happen to make furniture. And that furniture brings people a lot of joy. When you deliver it, you can see the smile on their face. Or if you're a gardener and you go in and you love being with nature and getting your hands dirty and you love walking away and seeing how it makes people feel to see their garden looking beautiful. I mean, that's service. So we don't have to always look for this great big Mother Teresa act as well. And just because, well, for me, it's music and for you, you know, you're a writer and author. They're creative things, but it doesn't have to fit in that box. I think everyone thinks purpose like art music, painting, you know, like, and I don't think that's the case. Some people may love cleaning and, and the smile it puts on the face of the person that they're working with. 
So, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Find your passion and that's how you can be of service. Yes, I love that. Next question from Fleur Aria. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Well, I actually wrote a blog post, and we'll link to it in the show notes, of nuggets of wisdom, 29 nuggets of wisdom that I would tell my younger self. So you can go back and read that. I don't want to read all 29 of them now, but one piece of advice that I would tell my 20-year-old self, and I'm reflecting back to the state that I was in when I was 20. I was very lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know who I was. I felt incredibly lost. And what I would say to my 20-year-old self is, it's okay. It's okay to not know. And there's nothing wrong with you and you're not broken and you don't need fixing. It's part of the journey and it's okay. So that's what I'd tell mine. What would you tell yours? I would say, and it sort of ties back into the previous question, I would say that that thing that you know that you would do for free and it brings you so much joy, start doing it as early as possible. (laughs) You know, don't let society, parents, conditioning, whatever it is, shape you into something that you're not. You know, we often meet friends who were a lawyer, for example, uh, like Sarah, she was a lawyer. And now she has this amazing like matcha maiden and all these things that she does. And it's very easy for us to think, well, you know, I need to get a real job. I need to go to university and I need to do this. But if you know there's something else that just com- just brings you so much joy, like the earlier you start, like I, not that I regret it, but I wish so much, even though in my early 20s, I was in Sneaky Sound System, I was doing music. It wasn't really my music, but I wouldn't take it back because I had a great time. But just like get into it. Go for it. Yeah. Dive in. Don't let, you know, what other people think you should do get in the way. You just dive in. And read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield as young as possible so you can identify the resistance and get over it as quickly as possible. Yes. Such a good book. Another question from Fleur. What are your thoughts on human design? Have you looked into your chart? Okay, so yes, I love human design. I'm a generator. Nick is a manifesting generator. And I've had my chart read by Jenna Zoe. She is like the human design expert and she's incredible. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to that. But if you haven't looked into human design, I highly recommend you do because it's just one of those things. It's like all of those personality tests. You just kind of go, ah, oh, you know, that's interesting or that's why I am the way that I am. Yeah, I haven't gone deep into it, to be honest. I know that I'm a manifesting generator. I've, I've had different people offer to do my chart for me. And I know, Melissa, you've done it, I think, for me as well. But I'm not super clear on the whole concept, to be honest. I just haven't gone into it. But I have read The Gene Keys, which has a similar flavor to it as human design. And I found that really, really interesting. Really, like that really resonated with me. The Gene Keys is a book and it's a lot of fun. It's like sort of unlocking yourself. It's really interesting. You'll have to listen to my episode with Jenna. All right. So nesting with grace and love, who I see a lot on Instagram, actually. You send me lots of questions. I appreciate it. You're a good woman. What's the most epically fun thing you've done this year that's outside your comfort zone, Melissa? 
Oh, that is such a good question. Outside of my comfort zone. While you think about it, I'll just say that I actually don't think I've done much this year out of my comfort zone. So when I saw this question, I was like, ooh. I know. I kind of thought the same thing. Am I pushing myself? Not pushing myself in a bad way. Like, am I stretching myself enough? We're both looking at each other with these like grimmest faces. I I think we're realizing, oh my God, we haven't stretched ourselves. Maybe we haven't. But that wasn't my intention for this year for me. My intention for 2019 was Operation Relaxation. That's true. And you've done that very well. And I've mastered that now. So my intention wasn't to stretch myself, maybe another resolution for a different year, but this year that wasn't my intention. But I think, well, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Have you got any for me? Oh, I know. My TED Talk was totally That's true. out of my comfort That's zone. That's true, yeah. Completely out of my comfort zone. Like, I was, how nervous was I before that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen you do hundreds of talks. And I've never seen you this nervous. And it's probably because of the format, because everything had to be approved, so you had to memorize it. So that was just new for you, I think, because you usually go off the cuff, even though our some of our talks are scripted to a degree, but only to give us points to riff on. And this was like- And then the rest is from the heart. Yeah, but this was like word to word. So that's, yeah, that definitely stretched you. But for oh, me, yeah. for me, I honestly, yeah, I, I feel like I've had a year of not being stretched. I've definitely had moments of fear, like straight away, the first thing I thought of was being in Mexico, about to get arrested. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking <laughs> your whole LA and Mexico trip was out of your comfort zone completely. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard that story, but just very quickly, I was on a very long remote stretch of coastal highway in the Baja coast of Mexico with two friends and we got pulled over by the police and I don't believe the Mexican police are the most, what would I say, (laughs) lawful people? Anyway, I had just been smothering myself and my mates in my personal essential oil blend, which a lot of it is made up of vetiver, which is really earthy. And so when they opened the windows, for some bogus thing they're trying to find us for, they smelt vetiver and thought we had marijuana in the car. So I'm thinking we are going to jail. I'm going to have my like kidneys chopped out. Um, this is it. It's a bit dramatic, isn't it? I seriously saw myself on the firing line. Like I thought I was done. You're so dramatic. This is a thing about Nick. He is very dramatic. Oh, okay. So middle of nowhere, no cars except for you and three scary-looking heavy policemen. Machine guns. All right. Okay, let's just paint the picture there. It's pretty It's pretty scary. That stretched me, but next year is definitely going to be a year of stretching for sure. We're super excited about the book we have coming out, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but also another live tour together, which is going to be an up-leveling of the Open Wide Tour, something completely Neckable. different and bigger and exciting. Think of like the best book tour ever. But not, but not a book tour. But not a book tour. It's going to be like a rock concert. It's a show. And for me personally, I'm going to be going back into a a zone of uncomfort in January when I go fully back into music writing again because I've taken a bit of time off for some other things, especially this book. And 
I have a bit of fear about that because I don't know what's going to come up. Like you never know when you're going to write your next good song. Mm. So that's uncomfortable. And then we also have our TV show. It's the first time we've spoken about it. Okay, say no more. Say no more. Say no more. Okay. Next question. Do either of you struggle with self-sabotage? I definitely have in the past so strongly, really strongly. But then I learned how to master my mean girl because self-sabotage is just your mean girl. It is just your mean girl. So I literally learned how to master my mean girl and take myself through that three-step process. But I'm just trying to think, darling, do you know any examples recently where I've self-sabotaged? I don't feel like it's something that I think spiritually there could be some things which there may be some overcomplication of various things that sort of consume you a little bit. But that's not self-sabotage. That's like inquiry. Yeah, true. I don't see a lot for you. Not, no, not I don't no. feel like I – you for sure, like the king of self-sabotage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately I – fortunately and unfortunately, I over the years have gotten better and better at doing business. So it sort of means like James Colhoun and I, who's the founder of FMTV and Food Matters, along with his wife, Laurentine Tenbosch, there is so much opportunity. He said, you can literally walk outside and trip over money if you want to, because there's so much opportunity out there if you just know how to grab it. And so we sort of perplexed why some people struggle with business or money, because it seems easy, right? But that's kind of a curse as well, because it just means you, I don't know, I get too many ideas and I start launching things and it's just becomes a massive distraction for my music. Mm. Is it really? I feel like, I feel like there's a bit of fear. About the music? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, maybe. I know it's all I want to do, but I keep building things. <laughs> yeah. And Nick, I don't know if you guys know, but he is a perfectionist. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. He I've is definitely like a- gotten better at that. Yeah, you sh- you totally have, but I feel like that sometimes s- holds you back a little bit. Yeah, it does, mm. for sure. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah. How do you guys settle on what is right for you with so much conflicting information out there? Melissa? It's hard to know what she's referring to in this question. I reckon but- it's food. <clears throat> okay, let's go with food. It always comes back to intuition and trust. And like for me, it's, it's, there's so much conflicting information out there on everything. There's a front and a back and an up and a down and a right and a wrong for everything. And it always comes back to what feels good for me. We don't look out and see what everyone else is doing. We always come back to, does this feel good for us? And then we do that. That's how I live my life. That's how I run my business. That's how I live my personal life. It all comes back to intuition. Does this feel good for me? Yeah. We always ask ourselves the question, is this a hell yeah? Because we had some opportunities recently, which looked really good on paper. But we're like, is this a hell yeah? I mean, putting aside money and all that sort of stuff, is it a hell yeah? Well, it wasn't. So choosing to let those things go, and that actually is an amazing process because it actually just keeps you fully in alignment and operating with integrity as well. So I think when it comes to food, for example, a lot of people make money off confusing people, to be honest. 
I think so. Even if it's subconscious. Mm. Because how can you have a vegan movement and a carnivore movement? I mean, seriously. That's polarity, obviously. I understand you've got to have both. But at the end of the day, something like food, for example, can be like look at the middle ground or look at the points of unity amongst all of it, except for carnivore. The points of unity are plants. So a lot of people may disagree with that last 10%. I've spoken about this, whether it's tempeh or turkey, even though we don't eat tempeh. But they get so caught up in that last 10%, you know? But if you could just see that that 90% is so much alignment, amazing, right? So I think to get through the conflicting information, look for the unity points that's out there. And do your own research and trust. All right, the next question is from The Lazy Healthy. What are your 10 most valuable and important life lessons? Just a small question. That could be a whole podcast. Why don't I do five that come to me quickly and you do five? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm just going to go meditate. Be love as much as you can in as many situations as possible and don't be too hard on yourself when you're not. Coming back to what I said before about advice to my 20-year-old self, whatever that thing is that you know you love so much, do it and trust yourself. Understand the role of the masculine and the feminine in all things, especially relationships within yourself and with other people and your love or your partner. My gosh, so important. And I think that's four. And the fifth would be play. Like play as much as possible. My relationship with my son, Leo, Melissa's bonus son, completely shifted when I had this, again, actually prompted by James Colhoun. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. It completely shifted our relationship because I decided to totally embrace the playful side of parenting, which I've done an episode on on my podcast. So check out the playful side of parenting on the Nick Broadhead Show. Melissa, what are your five? Number one, choose love. Choose love instead of fear. Number two, let go of control and surrender. Number three is expectations ruin relationships. Number four, if you want more love, you got to make it. So make lots of love. And number five is, I don't know who said this, but would you rather be right or happy? And (laughs) I think that's a really nice little reminder that sometimes in relationships there's so much of I'm right and you're wrong, but let's just let it go and just be happy. I think that's an amazing point because so much conflict can be created through taking a position on something and and arguing that position until the death, you know? And when you look at just this sort of information from a completely universal perspective, you realize there is no such thing as right or wrong, even though some things feel so awful, like murder and, oh, terrible, but. There is no such thing as right or wrong. It's just our perception. Correct. We take a position to judge something a certain way. And when you learn to accept what is, right, just those two words, my dad drives it home to us all the time. What is? You can meditate on those two words, right? You can dissolve so much. Yeah, totally. I've got another one actually, a bonus one, and that is 
just remembering that it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, at the end of our life, these things that we're stressing over right now, it won't matter. Will this matter in a week? Will this matter in 10 years? Will this matter at the end of your life? Most likely the answer is going to be no. no. So just let it go because happiness is way more important than you being right. Okay, we're going to shift into relationship and friendship questions. And the this question comes from who explores universe? How do you know if someone is the one? People used to say to me, I had a few friends, one of my best friends, Rachel McDonald, and one of my other best friends, Jess Ainsco, used to always say to me, because they were in beautiful, they were and still are in beautiful divine relationships. And they used to always say to me, babe, when you know, you know. And at that time, I wasn't in a relationship and I would be like, whatever, that is the biggest load of BS I've ever heard in my life. And then I met Nick and I was like, oh, oh. Is that what a real man is? Oh, (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. And I remember calling both of them and saying, I know. And they were so happy for me and so stoked for me. So I think, how do you know if someone is the one you just know deep in your gut? You know, I've been in other relationships and I've questioned the whole time. I'm like, this isn't the one, but I stayed. I stayed for three years in some of them, but I knew deep in my heart that it wasn't the one. And I think if you dig deep, if you go inward and you ask yourself, honestly, is this person my one? You will get an answer. So I think for me, when you know, you know, it's a whole body coming back to what Nick and I were saying before about it being a hell yeah. Like you just know there's been, there's never been a doubt in my mind. Never. Yeah. For me, it's, I mean, it's hard to add much more to that because I agree, but the only thing I would add is that in the first, like in the very beginning, when I was, well, in the first week of having met each other and I had decided to propose to you and was out there hunting down your ring, that whole period, those first two weeks when I proposed, it felt like I was a puppet being controlled by some master energy out there. I was just being directed into the, into, I was just being directed. It was just the weirdest feeling ever. But having said that, I wanted to say that just because, for example, we were engaged in two weeks, don't compare yourself because that may not be the case. You may never get married. You may want to just have a partner, a lifelong partner. You may take a year to get married or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Don't compare yourself to other people and your story with other people's stories because you may meet someone and maybe you, I mean, is it possible, Melissa, to not know straight away and then to really know? I don't know because I haven't experienced that. All I can do is speak from my experience and my experience was Every relationship before you, I knew that they weren't forever. Question marks. Well, no, not question marks. I just knew it was for a period. I knew for every single, like, and I'm being really honest with myself. I knew that they were just for a period, for a season, you know? And then when I got with you, I knew straight away. I was like, oh, no, you're my one. I just knew But I don't know. I'd love to hear from people who maybe realized later on 
like maybe a year in or, you know, a month in or something. I don't know. But for us, well, for me, I'm just only speaking from my experiences. I just knew straight away. I might be wired slightly differently because in my serious relationships, I kind of thought they were. But did you know deep in your heart, like your, your, like, cause head and heart are different. Like, I think, do you know what I mean? I think for one of them, yes, I think I probably did deep down know that. Know what? That it wasn't right, but I was operating from fear. So I was so fear-based that I didn't even want to look at it. Yeah. See, there was like, there was, it was covered. It was buried. It was really deeply covered. So I was like, it's the, this is right. It's the one. It's right. It's right. It's right. It's right. Like convincing yourself. And then another one, no, I, I actually don't know. That's the, that's the case. Dig deeper. Honestly, for that one, I mean, I almost married that person and, you know, I think we could have had a pretty happy existence together. I think it would have been perfectly fine as a relationship, to be honest. But that doesn't mean that she was the one, because you are. So, and then another one, I I think I never thought about it for some reason, you know? So... It's been different, but I when but when I met you, I knew the difference. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You've had the you had the experience. Then I was like, oh, 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 okay. This is when you have no doubt. Yes. And that no doubt definitely is amazing when you hit challenges in the relationship because I can always tap into that and go, oh yeah, it's all good. Like we're not going anywhere. Exactly. Flo has asked, have you ever felt lonely? Do you have any advice for when friendships fall away? Oh, this is, well, two questions. Let's break this down. Okay. So have I ever felt lonely? Yes. I think every single human being on this earth has felt all of the emotions. And I think this is where, you know, people on social media, they think that we don't feel the same things that everybody else feels. And that's not true. We all, every emotion, every feeling we all have and we all feel. Like no one gets away with that. Yes, there's varying degrees, but we all feel these things. Like when Nick was going through his really challenging time, was that 2018? 17. 2017. And you can listen to him share about his year where he had depression. But that year I felt really lonely because Mm. my husband wasn't, he couldn't be there because he could barely be there for himself. So here I am married to my soulmate, married to the love of my life. And I still felt lonely at times. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. And then did you want to add anything, babe? After my divorce, I felt intensely lonely, really lonely. Maybe. <laughs> that was the loneliest period, I think, in my life. I also had my heartbroken ones in Germany. I was living in Germany, and all of a sudden, I just found myself basically on my own in Germany, nowhere to live. And you didn't know anyone. And I didn't know anyone, didn't speak the language. Oh, I sort of spoke a bit of a fair bit of German, actually, but that was really lonely. Have you ever felt lonely in our marriage? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's similar, like probably after Jess passed away when you were really struggling for a while there, probably a good 12 months, I'd imagine you really struggled with that. Mm. You could even say it was sort of PTSD style of- Oh, it was definitely PTSD. Yeah, yeah, there was moments where I was 
pretty lonely because I didn't, again, I didn't really have you. Mm. Like you're there, but you're not, you're not there because that person is really struggling. Yeah. There's moments, but generally sort of coexisting, Mm. but that's relationships, you know, being the rock for the other person. While they go through something. And that's something that I feel really proud of us, even though it's (laughs) been so challenging at times. (laughs) But, you know, after Jess passing away, you held space for me so beautifully. Like you were my rock and I couldn't give much because I could barely give to myself. And then when you went through your challenging time for that year with depression, I was there for you. And I think I'm really proud of us that we've been able to hold space for each other during that time. That doesn't mean, guys, that it was rainbows and butterflies. It was really challenging at times, but I'm really proud of us for moving through that. Yeah. My next song is about exactly that. Not that moment about, it's about the shifting in relationships. One person going through something, the other one holding space and then how it shifts and that polarity. That's the whole song. Mm, Beautiful. Now let's talk about, do you have any advice for when friendships fall away? Okay. So There's this saying, you know, people come into your life for a season, a reason, and a lifetime. Or a lifetime. Or a lifetime. A season, a reason, or a lifetime. And I am so loyal. Like, I am incredibly loyal. So, like, when you're in my life, you're in my life. And, like, I love you hard. But that many years ago was really quite challenging for me because when people would shift and and fall away, I would take it really personally, not knowing that it was maybe just a season or maybe just a reason. And that's okay. It's okay to have friendships that come in and then they move on. It's okay. I think what we need to remind ourselves is that we just have to love on everyone so hard. Just love on everyone so hard because everyone's going through their own things and all we can do is just give love. But yeah, I mean, I felt friendships dissolve and morph into something else and that's definitely pulled on my heartstrings. But I do remind myself that it's just one of those things in life, you know, it, it morphs into something else and that's okay. I also think that when someone pushes you away, not just like drifts away, but pushes you away. For us, this has been a personal lesson, but I think you need to tune in to that person and possibly see that as a cry for help. Yes. It's been a hard lesson that we've had to learn. Yeah. And I think also just practicing crystal clear communication, like there's been conversations I've had with people. I'm like, and said, I feel really sad that our relationship has morphed into something else when we were so close. And this one girl said to me, yeah, me too. But it is, and we kind of both got off the phone and we're both just like, but it just is what it is. And that's okay. What is? It just is, exactly. So be okay with it and just pour your love and energy to the people who are there in front of you. Okay, so we've got another question. Does a 10-year age gap matter in a relationship? So we actually have an eight-year, seven and a half. We sort of say eight. It's easy to remember. Eight-year age gap between us, and it's a complete non-event. Don't even think about it. I think if you think that a 10-year age gap will matter, then it will matter. It's the power that you give it. 
you know, I know some people who have a lot bigger age gaps than that, and they're really content. Just out of interest, given this is yin-yang, how many relationships have you seen where it's, you know, life partners, soulmates, where it's the other way around and you've got the man who is younger by 10 or, or more years? I don't know any. Do you? No. Well, I know people who are in relationships like that. Oh, yeah. We know people who are in relationships like that, for sure. It's just super not common, right? Yeah. Really uncommon. Yeah. wonder why that is. Yeah. I feel like... Is that because the, the, from the feminine, I'm not saying female, but from the feminine in terms of energy, always seeking that security and stability? And maybe... And they, there's maybe a perception that an older masculine, which is the masculine energy, not the male, because it could be same sex, two women or two men, same thing plays out that they seek that in something older. I just wonder whether that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I think if you don't make it a thing, then it's not a thing. But if you do make it a thing, then it is a thing, you know? Okay, so Jesse Brewer has asked, how do you deal with your relationship when you're apart for longer, different routines, focus, et cetera? Well, we spend sometimes two weeks apart, which is our absolute max. Frequently. So yeah, frequently. During the school term, it's two weeks on, two weeks off for us. Which will change next year because we've done that this year and it sucked for me. Well, it's only changing because Leo's <laughs> going away for six months. So, and I'm going to go to Sydney a bit more. Okay. So, yeah, it's... It's, it's work. Yeah. It's also beautiful. It's also beautiful. There's polarity, you know. It's, it's pretty fun. Hard and then it's also beautiful because when we come back together, it's like we're newlyweds all over again and we have the best time ever. And of course, I'm getting this super intense quality time with Leo. Yes. During very important years of his life. So even though, you know, I'm not with his mother anymore and I see him half the time, I actually get probably more quality time than. Any father I know who's actually with their kids all the time. Mm. And well, I know some who are actually get a lot of quality time. I shouldn't say that, but in general, I would say I have a lot of quality time with Leo because it's just usually us together. Yeah. But that's an amazing piece of polarity. Well, it has been this year. I think from the masculine perspective, and because I have so much happening in Sydney when I'm down there with Leo, like I'm doing daddy duties, like I'm cooking and cleaning and drop sport offs. and pick up and drop offs and, you know, like I'm doing my thing. And then by the time I go to the gym and, you know, do my work, like parents know what it's like, you know? So I'm sort of in that very masculine energy, like getting stuff done. Because during the day, I've got smaller windows, so I'm just smashing stuff out. So when I'm away, I don't tune into that as much as Melissa. Whereas Melissa's here twiddling her thumbs sort of in Noosa. <laughs> Not twiddling. Not twiddling her thumbs, but... I don't have, like... You to look after or... No, but you might FaceTime me and you'd just be like on the couch having a nap in the afternoon. It's like, <laughs> I don't have time for that. Well, I do, but, you know, I have other things to do. So there's definitely challenges in it and it comes probably more from the feminine, I'd say. Yeah, and I think, you know, FaceTime is amazing. We would do we do daily FaceTimes at the same time. And this has been an experiment for us this year, which we've realised is... Not ideal. And next year, I'm going to be going back to Sydney with Nick. And then Leo goes away for six months. So for the first six months, I'll, you know, it won't be like that. So yeah, I think 
anyone who deals with long distance or time apart from your partner, you definitely have to schedule in FaceTimes. I think that's the best thing at the same time every day, if you can, just to check in. Yeah, we do lunch and dinner at 7.45 p.m. at night. Yeah, we do the same time. And then also like sending, you know, once a day we'll send a beautiful message to each other. Yeah, literally it's in my things, my app, like to remind me to do something nice because that's just, I need a reminder. Yeah. I'm thinking of Melissa, but often, I don't know, this whether it's a masculine thing, but I often just forget. Yeah, see, I don't need, maybe it's a feminine thing, I don't need a reminder. Yeah, because feminine's more nurturing. Yes. Right? So, and I have generally a low need to nurture anyway. Mm-hmm. So he needs to put a reminder in to send me a beautiful message. And when he does, those messages are divine, like they're the best. And so just little things like that, like sending a nice message or a photo or FaceTiming, you know, just thinking of you, those sorts of things, it makes such a difference to a long-distance relationship or time apart. And then I think as soon as you do come back together, reconnecting straight away. So like getting in the bedroom if you can and and making love. And it sort of ties into the next question from Anita Bix. Tips what to do when both sides feel out of unity at certain moments and how to get back into sync. And I, I think that connects back in because when you're apart, you can still have unity, but you do start getting a bit out of sync. So when we come back together, I mean, it's all about making love. Straight away. Like... You know, I, we, usually I walk in the door and that's it. We're on. It's throw down. <laughs> Sorry, dad, if you're listening to this. But it's important and it's fun. We feel like teenagers. It's quite funny. Yeah, it's really fun. But I think that's honestly, when you're out of sync, what, okay, when we're out of sync, it's because we haven't made love. Yes. I honestly don't know if there's any other reason other than that. Yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. And I find when we're not making love, you you are more easily, you're more easily affected by the little things. Like there's more bickering and there's more like little nagging and like, uh, you know, and eye rolling and things like that. So that's why, you know, making love every second day, if you can, well, every day. <laughs> that's been a good thing for us actually, because Melissa's like, I make love. I want to make love every day. I'm like, well, that's a really good goal to shoot for. But I, don't want you to be disappointed because it may not happen. You know, like I've been a bit under the weather. You may hear it in my voice. And I haven't felt super sexy, just saying. You're always sexy. Thanks, darling. But we sort of brought in this every two days. And it's become a habit. And it's really funny this morning, Melissa pulled out her app. What's it called? It's called Period Tracker. Period Tracker. And she's been tracking her cycle since 2011. Yeah, since May 2011, which is when I first discovered this app. And so, yeah, you you put in, you track your cycle and and everything. And so you put in when you make love. So there's little love hearts on the calendar. So you can sort of scan the whole thing. So like there's no hiding. I can see if I'm showing up or not because the lowest we've got was actually four times in a month, but we are away from each other as well. Two weeks. It's kind of like eight times in a month. Mm. So anyway, I just thought that was really funny. But the two every two days is really amazing because when we are in flow with that, everything kind of just works out. Yeah, but do do what's right for you as well. Like have a conversation with your partner and you know work out what works for you. That that works for us. And if the question comes up or the statement comes up, well, you know, sex is just not that important to me. Really look into that little thing because that's warning sign. That's a warning sign. 
sex is not just that, not just not that important. Oh man. I've said it before in past relationships. So have I. Yep. So have I. And it's because I didn't want to. Me I too. Didn't want to. Me too. Oh. So be really mindful of that. A good way to look at this is picture a house that's being built. You've got the foundations, the bricks, and the, the glue that holds the bricks together. And we speak about this a lot, but sex, intimacy, lovemaking is the glue. And if you don't have that, what happens to the rest of the house? Falls down. When a storm comes through, what happens? Fall down. Like if the rain comes, what happens? It's going to fall down. Well, it leaks, doesn't it? This is true. Stuff gets in a little bit. A little annoying, Moldy. little annoying leak here and there. It's like, ugh. Mm. Right? The cracks start to appear. If your relationship is not like that at the moment, don't feel all like, you know, I don't know, don't compare yourself just because we're saying, oh, we try to make love every two days. Don't do that. But just kind of think about it. Just use it as a spark to question. Okay, cool. Maybe this is just a nice ignition point to have a conversation with my partner. Practice crystal clear communication with them. So Kate is where it's at, wants to know how to deal when your partner can't let go of your mistakes. For example, minor ones like losing your car keys. (laughs) (laughs) I think you need to have a crystal clear communication conversation with your partner about this because it's one of those things like, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And You know, one of the things I love about Nick, and I have said this so many times, I've said it so much in our relationship, one of the things I love about him, one of the many things is that he has this amazing ability to, and maybe it's a masculine thing, to let go of things straight away. Like we might have a conversation, like a heated conversation, and then two minutes later he's like forgotten about it, moved on, and he's kissing me. And I think that's a beautiful quality. I feel like the feminine, we tend to hold on to things a little bit more. Yeah, but you've got way better at it. Yeah, because you've like you've really inspired me with that. And so it's something that I've been actively working on, like what? just letting go of things really quickly. I've just got to the point where I'm like, man, it's not worth it. Like, why am I going to carry this thing forward? Last Sunday, which is like a week ago, I was a total jerk to Melissa. I can't even remember now what even happened. I had an expectation. I can't remember. An expectation of you showing up for me in a certain way. We were busy morning trying to pack up the house. Oh, in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, in Sydney. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, he was really not nice. I was, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Our neighbours even heard us. (laughs) So, and in that moment, there was a moment where... I was actually yelling at Melissa and I thought she was about to smile at the like ludicrousness, is that the word, of the situation. And that happens quite a lot where it can turn either way. You can like dig in and keep going or you can kind of stop and laugh at the absurdity of what it, whatever it is the hell you're arguing about. It was like ridiculous stuff, right? So Melissa, like we both dug our heels in on that one and then – we had to pack, get ready for the airport, got in the, the taxi, didn't say a word to each other the whole way to the airport, mm. didn't say a word the whole way through, check in, and then we're walking to the gate and I just stopped and pulled her up, pulled her up to me and gave her a kiss and she wouldn't kiss me, <laughs> which is quite rare actually. Usually you smile and let it go, but you wouldn't let it go. This is in the middle of the airport. So if you saw us, hi guys. <laughs> but Melissa, you may resonate with this if you're a woman listening to this or even just a man, has this thing where she says, 
I just don't feel heard. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you do it in that funny voice? Well, I don't know. Because it's like semi-emotional. And that's what, and semi-emotional. We are. The feminine is very emotional, darling. We are a roller coaster of emotions. And I practiced crystal clear communication with him and, and I, I said to him, I don't feel heard. And then he would listen. Yeah, so I let her talk it out and then I would say, do you feel heard? Do you feel like there's anything else I can do? Anything else more I can do that would help you feel more heard? And he said, no. I said, good, well, let's come and get over now. <laughs> because I didn't want to fly up and be on a plane and just be all pooey. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, next question. What do you do when your partner is going through a low period? Should you intervene? Okay, so. So the only intervention is being the example. Well, just to give you a little bit of context, we've both been through low periods, like we've mentioned before. and. Yes. There's a, there's an element of like you just being love and being support and holding space for the person to go through whatever it is that they need to go through, being the example, being love, holding space for them, continuously showing up while they go through a low period. But then also like it depends on the severity, like if they're suicidal. Okay. Well, that's different, of course. If we're talking about usual ups and downs, then generally I think just being that love and being the example can be enough. And just continuously saying, you know, I love you and I'm here yeah. for you and putting your hand on their leg or their shoulder and just saying, I love you and I'm here for you. And I know this period is feeling a little bit challenging, but this too shall pass and I love you and I'm here for you. I love you and I'm here for you. And, you know, as in the, one of the things the masculine energy can do so well is bring direction and clarity into something like that. And often you can just like face your partner, hold them by the shoulders, open your chest, look in their eyes and have this like full grounded, strong presence and just say, I'm here, I've got you. I'm not going anywhere. And that can just often be all they need is to hear that. So there's lots you can do. But I mean, I remember a time where this was post Jess passing away and it had been going on for quite a while and there'd been a lot of suffering and I. There was one time in a car where I literally just went, like I sort of snapped at you, and I just went, enough, enough. This has got to stop. And I actually went away. Do you remember? I went away oh. for a week to Noosa. I don't remember. Yeah. I said, I, I did? Yeah, I said, you need some space to get clarity on your behavior because this is not okay. I understand you're hurting, but this is, you know, this is not okay, this behavior. And it actually really worked because when I was away, you really, that hit you quite hard. Mm. But by the time I came back, you were a different person. Wow. Yeah. So that was an intervention because I felt like the suffering was, had gone on long enough. Mm. And I'm talking, it was a long time. I'm not talking like a month. No, it was like going into maybe two, I, th- I feel like it was two years. Yeah, well, it was probably like 12 months later or something. And I was like, mm. I understand the pain, but it just, you know. I'm your partner, don't, don't treat me like this. Mm. And I have a level of self, self-worth and self-awareness that's not going to allow this anymore because it's, it's affecting me now too much. And something that's really powerful is pattern breaks, and that's what you did. Right, Was yeah. you did a pattern break. So, you know, you can always help someone with a pattern break by, you know, taking them away or, I don't know, you know, just shaking up their everyday routine and their environment. That could really help. Okay, I agree. 
So Lil Joe M595 asked, what kind of challenges do you meet in your relationship? I feel like we've shared a few, but I think, you know, this year it's a challenge, but it's also been amazing. And that's being a part because it's been a challenge because you're not physically there, but then it's also been amazing because I feel like our relationship has just gone so much deeper this year. Oh, we're in a completely different space. I remember in January, we were not in a great place, actually. You know, we're just having one of those really down periods together. In fact, that was a time where I stepped in and intervened a little bit with you. Yeah. I remember in the bedroom, I can remember clearly. Yes, I remember that one. Yeah, what I, what I did. Um, not talking about sex and talking about intervention in, in the sense that I, I put my foot down and I basically like closed the door. Leo was home, so we like closed the door. Like two hours. We had to have a conversation. Like a two hour long conversation and I was just super firm. Like I was, this, like I literally was like, no more. Yeah. And we had a really beautiful crystal clear communication conversation. Yeah. That went on for two hours and we got so much clarity. Heaps of clarity. Because mm. I think I wasn't saying things because I was afraid of the reaction. And then I was just like, okay, well now, you know, not saying it's so bad that I, I've just got to say it. Yeah, and we both got to express what we needed to express. And these these periods tend to only be like a month or so, but they can be pretty – like the normal ups and downs could be like a bad month or something. We've had longer periods of – like because of an intense thing, like we had depression, you had Jess passing away and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a challenge, but it's also been a gift. But that's that's relationships. And that's polarity. There's polarity in everything. There's yin and yang. In everything. We've been speaking a lot about challenges, but what about the Yeah, it's good been stuff? such a gift. That that has been such a gift because we have gone so much deeper in our relationship. I feel like in our communication, like I feel like this year we've like, you know, graduated from high school and gone to university. Kindergarten, what are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like Still in kindergarten. We're in year one, babe. Oh, jeez. Whoa. Okay. Well, we need some space to grow. Yeah. Got a long way to go together. And we're students for life. This is the thing. Like we are always reading, learning, growing, attending seminars, listening to podcasts because we want to be the best version of ourselves all the time. We want to continuously grow and evolve. And in order to do that, you need to be a student for life. Yeah, babes? Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. So try, bike, and swim wants to know how to handle one another. If one or both is in a bad mood. I feel like we've kind of spoken about this. I think, you know, we have this thing where we say that someone has always got to be the bigger person. So if someone, if we're both not feeling 100% or if we're both in a bad mood, like there's someone who is feeling a bit better and it might be just like 2% better and that person has to be the bigger person. We can give an example. Actually, this was literally yesterday. So, yeah, so, okay, about a month ago, I got some sort of really nasty gut infection. I went from literally totally on fire, like feeling amazing, probably the, most, the strongest, most muscular, best digestion, everything I've ever had, clearest skin, clearest eyes, like just amazing. And I literally one day said it, and I was like, I can't believe I feel the best I've ever felt, which is a really dangerous statement because that's like taking a position, right? And when you take a position on something, you often can manifest the complete opposite to dislodge you from that position. That's the universe's way of teaching. No joke, three hours later, I was crippled in pain in my gut. And then literally my guts were like Chernobyl, right? It was so bad. I could fart at one end of the beach and I could clear the entire beach. 
It was freaking disgusting. I don't know what happened. It was like E. coli or a parasite or something got in there and created a mess. And, you know, so just in case you think that we're all shiny and perfect, trust me, last month has not been that way. So I had about three weeks of trying to move through that gut thing, right? And it really dragged my immune system down. So then I got a cold, which you can probably hear now. But through the whole thing, I definitely hit a low point where I was like really frustrated because I felt like oh, I was feeling so good and blah, blah, blah. And now, blah. But I've cleared that gut stuff, but now I've got the residual effects of it. And I woke up yesterday morning feeling just really heavy and just kind of hungover almost. And I was just like, okay, what is? It's cool. What is? And I was really proud of myself for just being in the space of accepting what is. And I wasn't like bouncing out of bed feeling amazing or anything, but I was just like, cool, this is what it is. And then Melissa's like all booey and grumpy and stomping around the house. I'm like, what's wrong with you? She's like, just tuning into your energy. I'm like, baby, if you knew how proud I am of how I'm showing up for myself right now by not judging this situation and just allowing and trusting my mind, body, spirit, and soul to do what's best for my, my growth and evolution. Like I was so proud of myself. And here you are, you know, much easier for you feeling all great to be the bigger one. And I said to you, in this moment, I need you to be the bigger one right now because I'm really proud of how I'm behaving. Yep. <laughs> Good story. All right. That's quite the story, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so the point of that was, you know, being the bigger one for the other person when they're down or flat. Yeah. Okay, next question. Elise, how would you describe the masculine and feminine energy to someone who has never heard of the concept? Oh, we love this topic. So good. Okay, so... I talk a lot about this in my second book, Open Wide, so I would highly recommend reading about that there. So the masculine and feminine energy is basically the yin and the yang, you know, and everyone has masculine and everyone has feminine. That feminine energy is more of the softer, flowy, creative spontaneous energy. The masculine energy is more stronger, firm, directional, getting things done. So if you want to visualize it, visualize the masculine energy like the flagpole and the feminine energy like the flag that's kind of waving and dancing around the flagpole. So that's how I would describe it. Do you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that gives you a picture of how it is and i think we've already spoken quite a lot in this episode already about how there's differences in different situations with the different energies and yeah go on darling. and even in a same sex relationship there is still masculine and feminine energy because we all have masculine and feminine within ourselves and then you have it in your partnership as well yeah that's right. And so if Nick is really in his masculine and I'm really in my masculine, we're going to butt heads. Well, that's generally, yeah, if you're in full-on work mode and feeling a bit cortisol and a bit sort of stressed out by deadlines or whatever, then we can often butt heads. And I have to soften a lot to bring you down. So I've got to get into my feminine to bring Melissa down, right, back into softening. I think that the polarity plays out a lot in the bedroom or wherever you make love be on the couch, the kitchen table, wherever, because it's the perfect example of masculine and feminine is how you make love. And everyone's unique in how they do that. 
Like, you know, there's no one way to do it. But I love intimacy because it's masculine and feminine at its best. Like when you both have surrendered and you're kind of both in your truth and you're both in your balance. And in that moment, it's kind of like you guys together in perfect harmony within your own energies, if that makes sense. I love witnessing you in that moment because what I see is like divine feminine, Mm. you know? I see a side to you which I don't see during the day, you know? I don't don't see that outside of making love and I feel like making love is that moment of like full surrender for you, which is amazing to watch. But if you want to, from the masculine perspective, if you want to learn a bit more about that, I did a episode number 62 called How to Be a Supreme Man. Really, really amazing for women to listen to that. Yes, and even read the book, David Dieter's The Way of the Superior Superior Man Man and the female version, which is called Dear Lover. I just recommended this to one of our dear friends, Jessie, and she's reading it at the moment and she is in love with it. It's so good. We could talk forever on this, but honestly, just Melissa's book is probably the best resource that I know of, actually. Yeah. babes. Okay, next question is from Hannah, masculine and feminine. Again, should we be balancing or going back to primal roles for good sex? I was kind of just talking about that, wasn't I? I'm not totally clear on that question, though. Are you clear on that? What's a primal role? I think what she means, primal roles, is like the man being in the masculine and the women being in the feminine. I'm not, I think that's what she means by that. Not totally clear, but just get, we can give you our perspective on that. Yeah. And that is we are in a heterosexual relationship. So we're only speaking from our experience. Yeah, and for, for a heterosexual relationship, I have a certain amount of masculine and feminine inside you. And when we show up, to make love, that expresses itself in its own unique way. And what I witness is Melissa very much in her feminine. And what I witness for myself is me being fueled by witnessing that. So my masculine almost receives that as energy because, and I've done an episode on this, you can look up called conscious, how to become a conscious ejaculator. When the masculine conserves his energy during lovemaking, you actually end up just receiving all this energy from the feminine. And for me, it's like just charges my batteries up because I just feel kind of like, I don't know, I feel like Superman a little bit. <laughs> so not totally sure on that question, but I think that's how it plays out for us. It plays out differently for every single person. It's a very yes. personal question. And read open wide because we dive deep into totally. that. Well, I dive deep into that in that one. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, The Wild Olive who produce the only true wild olive oil available in Australia. It's beyond organic and wild harvested from trees that are up to 2,000 years old and grown naturally in areas of southern Greece. Now, my skin loves this oil. I lather my body in it top to toe. My skin feels so soft and smooth, and it even cleared up some eczema that I had on one of my fingers, which is pretty cool. Now, these olives are loaded with natural polyphenol antioxidants. These naturally occurring nutrients have been proven to promote cardiovascular, digestive, and skin health, and also assist to regulate blood pressure, lower cholesterol, and improve immunity and overall health. To get 15% off your first order, head to discoverthewildolivelive.com. Now, let's get back to this conversation. So now we're going to switch to some health-related questions. Lucy Ashton 
do you guys still follow your food combining principles? So food combining is from Donna Gates. She wrote The Body Ecology. I've had her on my podcast twice on episode 13 and 36, which I highly recommend. But yes, we do still follow food combining principles because we find that it works really well. But it's changed. Okay, here's a disclaimer. I believe that the Body Ecology Donna Gates methodology is really helpful at certain times. For me personally, that's not an easy, sustainable way to do it. Just for me personally. Yeah, it's too many rules. Nothing against Donna. I think she does amazing work. I did an episode, episode 100, called How Food Combining Will Transform Your Digestion. But we follow the basic rules. No, we don't. We don't? No. The thing is, when you're plant-based like we are, a lot of that stuff goes out the window because when you throw animal protein and saturated fats in the mix, it does actually make it more important, right? Because if I was to go and just like get a steak and mash it in with sweet potato, I'd probably be in all sorts of trouble, right? <laughs> Tummy pain. So I feel like a lot of that goes away when you're, if you're plant-based, right? Because think about it. In nature, were we thinking of food combining, you know, 100,000 years ago. And I've thought about this a lot, right? Because if you look at the natural instincts of humans as, I believe, probably opportunistic omnivores, I don't believe humans are naturally seeking to be omnivorous. I believe humans are opportunistic omnivores. If I was Nick Broadhurst 100,000 years ago, which I'm sure I was in some form, if I was starving, Man, I'm taking down that freaking, those insects and that bird or whatever. I'll take it down to survive, right? The slugs. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> but I live in a world where I don't have to do that. You know, we live in a world of abundance. But even back then, if you were eating meat, this is my personal take on it, and I actually think it's freaking awesome. If you were eating meat, I believe it to be opportunistic due to survival. So would food combining be an issue? No, because you're in a period of scarcity. So you'd just be eating probably the animal on its own. And in that case, there's nothing to combine them with. In periods of abundance, and you have plenty of plants around you, do you need to worry about it? I believe no, because you're not actually mixing them together. So I think it's a modern problem, personally, based on the abundance of food. And it's one of those things that really resolves a lot when you are plant-based, if you are plant-based. Now, the episode that I did was when I was still, we were still eating omnivorously, maybe 90% plant-based. So I do talk about it and I'll give you a quick snippet of it just so you understand it. Think about hard to soft, sorry, soft to hard. I'm not talking about sex. Think about soft foods. Okay. So if you're going to sit down at a meal, let's say you've got a starchy carbohydrate. Like sweet potato. And you've got some vegetables and you've got a grain and you've got a legume. Let's just say that's your plate, right? Which is a pretty balanced, you know, plant-based plate. And some fats, of course. The softest, easiest thing to do to eat first will be the sweetest, softest things. Starchy carbohydrates. So sweet potato. Pumpkin. The thing that may come before that, maybe white rice would come before it because that just goes boom, like straight through your body, absorbs that as glucose in a second, right? So you want to eat the easiest, easiest thing. To like don't go have first. your salad and then pop sweet potato on top of it, right? Because the hardest thing to digest, not the hardest, the longest will be plant-based material that's raw, right? Like raw salads, right. like cucumber, raw carrot, salad, like lettuce, that sort of thing. So let's look at a classic meal. You've got all those things together. We're going to start with your starchy carbohydrate, which would be your sweet potato or your 
white rice, for example. We don't actually eat a lot of white rice. We have brown rice. We prefer to get the fiber in. And then you go into the legumes, okay? Because legumes are also really easy to digest if your gut microbiome is used to them. So that could be beans or a legume tempeh, like chickpea tempeh or something like that. We don't do soy products. Then steamed vegetables. And then last would be your raw vegetables because they're a bit harder. And if you eat like that and you're really disciplined with it, honestly, it works. It really freaking works. I learned this from our physician, Dr. Stephen Cabral. It was a game changer for me. If you eat omnivorously, well, you would put your animal protein at the end. And the only thing that would go after animal protein would be raw vegetables, right? So if you had a plate of sweet potato, a piece of chicken, some seamed vegetables and a salad, then you're going to go sweet potato, seamed vegetables, meat, and then raw vegetables, right? If you eat in that order, I believe it, it solves a lot of problems and simplifies things a lot. Otherwise, you get just stuck, I believe, on the food combining thing. Okay, we're going to move on to the next question by the Tina Theory. Benefits that you've seen on a plant-based diet, how does it affect your social circles? So there's two questions there. We have seen loads of benefits from, I used to get these bumps on the backs of my arms. I know there's a term for them and I can't remember the term, but they have cleared up. Also, I used to get eczema on on my right hand and that has cleared up. For me, digestion has definitely gotten better. Is there any other benefits that I have had? Well, you're talking physical benefits. Let's be clear on that. Yeah, I'm talking physical. But but the thing for me is like I already had epic energy. I already had epic sleep. I feel like before you had to watch a bit more about what you ate. You're a bit more conscious of your starchy carbohydrates and those sorts of things when you had animal protein in your, in your diet because you were more prone to putting weight on in areas you didn't want to, like your legs, for example. Because I'm a pita kapha. Yeah. Um, listen to my Ayurveda series one and two, if you want to learn about Pitta, Kapha, all the doshas and all the different Ayurvedic episodes on Melissa's show. I feel like now, like Melissa now, she's a demon for fruit. Like she's, she's like- I used to have fruit fear. Full on fruit fear. And she had her first mango the other day in like literally, I don't know how long, 20 years or something. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, I can't believe how good this is. I'm like, I know, <laughs> I've been telling you. Anthony Williams from Medical Medium, he talks a lot about fruit fear and I definitely had fruit fear after being paleo and keto. We, we, sorry, just laughing at that. Why? When you say being paleo or keto. What do you want me to say? Well, just that you were Melissa. Yeah, this is true. You're like identifying with that label so strongly. You know what I mean. <laughs> but Melissa now, like her snacks, she'll make herself like, frozen bananas, frozen fruit, and make herself like a sorbet smoothie bowl. I'm like, so good. who are you? So yummy. What's happened to you? She's smashing sweet potato and these sorts of things. Like oh, what I've noticed in you, you can sort of eat very intuitively whatever you want to eat and it all just, like your weight is very, very stable. Yes. Would you agree with that? So what benefits have you found? Well, the benefits for me just go on and on and on. I would probably go first to performance. I've never been able to train the way I train the volume, the frequency, the intensity, ever in my entire life, right, ever. That's shocked me. And it's something which is spoken a lot about in the Game Changers film, which we loved. Even though it's copped a lot of criticism, we love it. And I would definitely say digestion as well. 
just feels so easy. But outside of that, it just feels in alignment with everything for and us. Our, our core beliefs and our values. Yeah, and like, the environment. You know, doing no harm. And the environment. Like mm. there's a lot of data out there now on being plant-based, how that affects the environment. And how has it affected our social circles? It's not really affected. No. I think the only thing that's changed is you have a slightly closer bond with people who, who were already plant-based. But what we've noticed is a lot of people going plant-based in our social circles, mm. which is interesting. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's been nice to watch. Okay. Next question, healthy MD journey. Do you eat eggs? No. Okay, next question, Kate Lennon. What are your thoughts on alcohol consumption? So I've done a whole episode on this, episode number 197, on why and how I quit alcohol. So I have not had alcohol since 2010, October 2010. Not a sip, not even one sip. The reason being was I was in hospital and was very unwell and unhappy. And I decided to get healthy and happy again. And the first thing I did was cleaned up my diet and stopped drinking. And I have never felt better. I have never think about it. I do not care to have a drink. I It's just not, does not even come into my thought process ever. It's really interesting. There's certain things that people defend strongly. Caffeine and alcohol are two of them. Oh, I can never give them a coffee. I can never give them a glass of wine. I'm sorry, but Alcohol's not good for you. It's just not. Can we just be honest? It's really not. If you want the polyphenols, have some freaking berries. Have some wild blueberries. It's seriously like, I mean, ask yourself why. Like, wh- this is not a judgment, by the way. Like, we are like heaps of our best friends. Just from a drink. health perspective, purely from a health perspective totally. only. And seriously, heaps of our best friends have a glass of organic red or something. And this is not a judgment. We do not judge anyone. But I just want you to know, like, do you know, like, what you're actually drinking? Like, are you turning around the labels? Like, are you eating all organic during the week and then on Friday night you're having a glass of something out and full of pesticides, full of crap? Roundup. Like, preservatives. There are so many preservatives in wine, full of so much stuff. And I just think, are you aware? And I just want to pose that question to you. We just want you to, you know, really think about and why, why are you doing, why are you drinking? Is it because you want to feel relaxed? Is it because you want confidence? Like for me, when I used to drink, it was for confidence. Like I would have to have drinks before I went out. So I had confidence to walk into a nightclub or walk into a bar or a restaurant. can't imagine you like that. No, seriously. So cute. Well, I think it's about being honest with yourself. Like, just be honest about it. If you really enjoy it, because, you know, you look at these blue zones, red wine is quite consistent across most of them, but I don't believe that's why they live longer. The reason that it's consistent is because it's part of their culture and they're socializing and they're relaxing in that moment. So if you're doing it in that state with the full understanding that eh, it's probably not the best thing for your liver, then go for it. And enjoy it and have fun and laugh while you're drinking it but and make sure it's organic and preservative-free because, yeah, I see a lot of people who are just full, organic, clean eating all week and then they go out and they just drink whatever and I'm like, oh. Well, here's the other thing. Do you need that second glass? Like, isn't a glass enough, for example? I'd be wasted if I had a glass of wine. And for me personally, I haven't, I've probably had my last sip maybe two or three years ago and maybe in the last 10 years, I might have had enough sips to make up a glass or two. So it's not like, no, I don't drink. 
I don't drink anymore, that's for sure. I just want to say one thing. In America, Dry Farm Wines company that tests all the wines for purity, mold, metals, pesticides, herbicides, and they recommend clean wines. They put together bundles of clean wines. Amazing company. Look up Dry Farm Wines. They have not found one single wine in America, even the biodynamic or organic, that does not have glyphosate in it. Whoa. So everyone's drinking glyphosate. Because glyphosate is water-soluble, gets into the water table, evaporates, go back into the clouds, rains back down on the crops. You're kidding. No. Wow. Scary. Scary. Yeah. Okay, next question. What does a typical day of eating look like for both of you? We'll just, we've done so many episodes on this and- Just rattle it off quickly. Yeah. You go first, I'll go first. You know, for me, I'll have a smoothie in the morning or oats and morning tea, I'll have a piece of fruit. For lunch, we have like- veggies and roasted sweet potato and beetroot and pumpkin and maybe like quinoa or some beans and avocado and a beautiful dressing with tahini and some nuts and seeds. And we make like right now it's summer in Australia and we're making these huge yummy like salad bowls with like just everything in it. They're so delicious. And then afternoon tea, I'll have fruit smoothie. like a fruit smoothie. Or just fruit. Or just fruit, and then dinner's the same. Yeah. Tiny bit more detail. Melissa's going to say no, but I'm going to give you a bit more detail. Because people want detail, right? It helps. I know when I was a bit lost, I wanted a bit more detail. So very quickly, I'll smash through it. Lemon water when we wake up in the morning. Half an hour later, celery juice. Meditation, yoga, all that sort of stuff. Breakfast. For me, at the moment, I get half a cup of oats, and I soak them overnight with dragon fruit, berries, a whole bunch of seasonal fruits, fresh ginger, cinnamon, and I just kind of mash it all together into this thing, put it in the fridge and it defrosts overnight. How good does it look, darling? That's my breakfast. Lunch, as Melissa said, we often just do some sort of starch, so it'd be sweet potato. Or beetroot, or pumpkin. Beetroot, pumpkin. We'll usually do legumes at lunch, and as you mentioned, like salad, sometimes cooked, sometimes raw. For me, it's mainly raw. My digestion prefers a little bit more cooked. It's funny because it should be the other way around, but I'm loving the raw. But to be honest, it's the spinach that I love. Spinach just feels so good in my body. I'm similar. I do an afternoon smoothie. I tend to put in some sort of plant-based, like whole food-based protein because I'm working out in the afternoons. I'm trialing at the moment watermelon seed protein. Heard of that? No. That's all it is. One ingredient, watermelon seed protein. Just literally just taking the oil out of the watermelon seeds and it's just that. Pretty interesting. It's about as clean as you can get. And then dinner, yeah, we're sort of starting to swap over more to, as a protein source, more quinoa and millet and and a different grain instead of having legumes twice a day. Nothing wrong with legumes. We're just switching it up. Variety is key. And we try and eat like a million different colors. Like our plates are full of red, green, yellow, purple, like we try and get as many colors as we possibly can. And I'm loving potatoes too. I mean, they, they feel so good in my body. I did a plant-based moussaka a couple of days ago. Oh my gosh. It was so delicious. It was amazing. And you know, the white sauce was just literally made of cauliflower and onion powder and garlic powder. And I lemon put juice. it on my Instagram story if you saw it. It was amazing. It actually tasted like there was, like the little corner bits were slightly burnt. It tasted like nasty, not nasty, naughty cheese. I don't know how. Anyway, so that was our dinner that night. We mix it up. Sometimes we make treats. We might make a brownie as a dessert one day or We've whatever. Got curry cooking now. Yeah. So yummy. Yeah. Okay, next question is, that curry looks yummy. So I 
cook curry a lot because it's my favorite food. And then we've got another question about, you know, where can would they find all where can you guys find all of our delicious plant-based recipes? So I've actually got Three of your favorites. Three of my favorite recipes coming in a little promotion that we're doing in December. So keep an eye out for that. There's three videos of me cooking my three favorite recipes. But we have something, part of our TV show that Nick mentioned before that we're doing next year, there's going to be some more food stuff in there. But it's not a cooking show. But it's not a cooking show, so don't, you know, get excited. It's not a cooking show. But... There may be some recipes that we can share after that or something like that. So keep an eye out. All right. So so Megan is mindful has asked, what do you do when you go out for dinner with people spontaneously, vegan, gluten-free, et cetera? Well, we don't kind of do very many spontaneous dinners, really. We very, very, very rarely eat out. Very rarely. When was the last time we ate out? In Melbourne, maybe? And that was yes. pretty, like, we'd already checked. So what we do, even if we are relatively spontaneous, we call the restaurant. I call and ask what oils they cook with because you do not want to be consuming seed oils or canola or… Yeah, sunflower, safflower, canola, grapeseed. Like, it's just not worth it. So we just make sure that they're going to be using, they have an option to use clean oils where we're going because that's just something we don't want in our bodies. But we don't we don't eat out. It's so often. rare, it's not a we problem. We have people at our house and we we have picnics and dinners and potluck dinners with lots of our friends. So We prefer the food that we make. A lot of our friends are really great cooks. Yeah, they're incredible cooks, but they're also health conscious and so we prefer to just have dinner parties. So we do that a few times a week, like maybe two two times a week we'll have yeah, well, either people here or yeah. We'll go somewhere. And we love that And then so we have much. picnics and we, yeah, that for us is like way better than eating out and you're eating good quality and you know what you're getting. Got a picnic tomorrow for my birthday. We do. How exciting. Very exciting. What are you making for me? I don't know yet. Is it a secret? Or you just don't know? Don't know yet. No, oh, really? I actually don't So know. you put heaps of thought into it? Yeah, really. Fully well planned? Yeah. Thanks, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine wants to know, do you eat soy, tofu, tempeh now that you're plant-based and what are your thoughts on it? So, okay. No, we don't. And we definitely, well, I experimented more with it. Melissa had a tiny bit. I actually think all the science shows that soy products are actually preventative when it comes to cancer. Okay, so it's the complete freaking opposite. They talk about estrogen. It's not even estrogen. It's phytoestrogens. It's a very different thing. The research on it is very compelling. If you want to learn more about it, just look up nutritionfacts.org. Very, very interesting stuff. The problem that we find with soy is that there's a question mark over it, right? And the question mark is GMO. So when you get organic non-GMO soy, the chances are that it's probably along the line, probably being contaminated. Same with corn. Unfortunately, to a degree, same with beetroots. We're trying to be mindful of that as well, where we get our beetroots from, like really heirloom varieties, because beetroots have been bred for beet sugar and they've gone GMO as well. So we're very mindful of GMO foods. So because there's a question mark over it and because GMO tends to really, what from what we can tell, tends to really help viruses proliferate and other things proliferate in the body, we just say no. We kind of have that rule with anything. If there's a question mark over it, we... Yeah. yeah. That said, you know, if we're at a friend's place and they're cooking yummy, like we had friends with, I had dinner with friends recently and there was 
these beautiful like rice pepper rolls that we made up ourselves and there's this big spread on the table and there was tempeh. And I'm like, cool, I'm doing it. Like a once off, I'm not going to sweat it, but we don't buy it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, last question from Fleur in the health food category. Advice on gaining healthy weight in a plant-based diet. This is more a question for you. Well, yeah. I've been meaning to do a second part to my plant-based transformation post that I did. I honestly think it's really straightforward. And, and the great thing about gaining healthy weight in a plant-based diet is I don't know how you can gain unhealthy weight in a plant-based diet because it's so clean. The fuel is so clean, right? We're not going through the middleman or the middle animal to filter our nutrients for us. We're just getting them straight from the plants where the animals get them from. So it's so clean, right? For me personally, if you're talking from male perspective, putting on muscle, for example, or even females putting on muscle, it was a very conscious effort that I made to eat in a certain way that was fueling myself to put myself into a, a state of anabolism, meaning build up, catabolism, meaning breakdown. So pretty easy on any diet, let alone vegan, to be catabolic. If you live off iceberg lettuce, you go catabolic very quickly, right? So think of the anabolic plant-based foods. What are they? Starchy foods, amazing. Legumes, amazing. Fats, amazing. Very, very simple. So you're just increasing those foods in your diet. And that's going to look different for every single person. I was going to say before in our daily routine that we don't have any fat until lunch. So no fats on our breakfast. But if I was in a bulking phase, I probably would put nut, probably nut butter or something in my morning breakfast to get more anabolic. So there's heaps of information on this out there. You can go to Plant Proof, for example. There's some great podcasts with Neymar Delgado, who is a vegan plant-based bodybuilder who's never eaten meat in his life, recently featured on the Game Changers film. But just include more of those anabolic foods, the ones that naturally put on more weight and you'll do fine. Okay. So we've got some more health slash wellness related questions. Healthy MD journey. What type of contraception do you use? So like we mentioned before, I have been charting since May 2011. I have a very regular cycle, so we follow the charting method. And also we have just been just started using the daisy, which we'll link to in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's super cool. I can't really add to that. But you want to, you know, with contraception, listen to my episodes with mm. Lara Bryden and Nat Gringudis. We will link to those in the show notes. It's really important. Like I was on the pill for so long and it caused all sorts of issues for me. So you really want to make sure that you're not putting anything in your body that's going to do harm later on. It's very, very important. This is such a controversial topic, but, you know, what the pill does is it tricks your body. It tricks your body every month. How can that be good for your body? Tricking it to go against nature, which is, you know, we want to be in harmony with nature as much as possible. Another thing we have done in the past is you can check out, what was that brand, that latex-free condoms? Oh, yeah. What was that brand called? 
I can't glide. remember. Glide. I think it was glide. Glide. Yeah. They're latex-free. And spermicide-free. And spermicide-free condoms. We'll link to them in the show notes. Yeah. Check those out. And then start charting your cycle. And not just, you know, to either avoid or, or plan a pregnancy, but just for yourself. It's one of the most empowering things you can do as a woman is to understand your cycle and to know the four different phases that you're going through and when you're going through and to put all of that information into an app and just have that all there. It's so empowering and very, very powerful for how you live your life. So please check out those episodes with Lara Bryden and Nat Gringudis. This kind of follows on from that question. Have I ever lost my period? If so, how did I bring it back and do I have any tips? Highly recommend, I said it before, going and listening to those episodes with Lara Bryden and Nat Gringudis. I did lose my period in 2000 and no, sorry, when I was 23, when I was really unhealthy. And I think I, I think it was maybe like 23 to 24, early, early 20s before I ended up in hospital and my whole health journey started. I lost it then for about a year when I came off the pill. So I was on the pill from like 18 to 23, I think. Yeah, around seven years. And then when I came off the pill, I didn't get it for about a year. It's interesting, darling, because you were about to have a big breakdown with your health, right? Mm. So the body's like, I've got so much other stuff to do right now. I'm not going to be making babies. So I'm just going to put aside that cycle because that's not a priority right now. It's like a warning, right? Mm, Definitely. But if you currently don't have your period, I would highly recommend firstly listening to those episodes, reading their books, and then getting some lab tests done. You know, our health guru is Dr. Stephen Cabral, getting some tests done with him, and we'll link to him in the show notes as well, and just finding out what's going on. And then he will put you on a protocol to help you get that back because it's really important. Your period is so important. So important. Yeah. And it's been so great for Melissa because coming back to contraception, you're so consistent that it's not an issue for us because we know, we know. Great question. You're both so brown. Do you wear sunscreen? No, we don't. I I've sometimes will put it on if I'm going for a surf. In the middle of summer. In the middle of summer, and I know that, you know, I'm going to bake out. Anyone will burn, right? Uh, Melissa can take more sun than me. She can pretty much stay out all day and not get, not get burnt. I can do a few hours max, then I start burning. So we just use common sense. You're burning, you get out of the sun. Or you get out of the sun before you burn. Or put a shirt on, put a hat on. We prefer, we're just really mindful about what we put in our bodies. There's some great natural sunscreens now. Definitely, definitely, definitely use natural sunscreens. Can't stress the importance of that. You can also (sighs) use the app Think Dirty. So if you buy a sunscreen, you can look at it and look at the ingredients. But please do not buy one that is full of crap. And if I put it on, I'm talking about my shoulders, my nose, my forehead, just parts that hit the sun more. So no, we don't really use it, I would say. I don't ever use it. I yeah. just, I, I never use it. I just get out of the sun if I've had too much. Next question from Kate is, most important things you do each day for a healthy body mind, any foods or vitamins, exercise, etc. Yeah, my gosh. Yeah, it's, this is all very sort of second nature to us now. It's, it changes a bit, darling, does it? Yeah, there's so many things that we do to stay balanced within ourselves. Rattle off your day. Rattle off a classic day. 
classic day. I mean, I've shared my morning routine on the podcast before and on a Monday motivation episode. So I'll link to that and you can go and listen to that. But there's so many things that we do each day to stay balanced. We wake up, we meditate, we drink warm filtered water with some lemon juice, we have celery juice, we eat you know, all organic, beautiful, delicious food throughout the day. Whole foods. Whole foods. We spend the first half of our day working and then we take our lunch and we eat it in the sun down at the beach and we go for a swim and a walk. Afternoons, we, you know, get back to doing some work and errands and things like that. And then we meditate again and we have an early dinner and then we go for a walk after dinner every single night. So we're moving our body, walking, and you know I do Pilates, Nick trains. We make sure that we're in bed early. And then we do take some supplements, and we take supplements that we have been prescribed by Dr. Stephen Cabral, and they really help us stay balanced. Is there anything I've missed? Well, I think with the supplements, that's also changed a bit over time. Like Now they're probably more whole food-based things like spirulina. Barley grass, like some of these things which have amazing effects, which are more whole food based. So that's changed as well. But there's some essentials like we do B12. B12 or B complex. Everyone needs Bs. Yeah, this is not an exclusively plant based thing. There's a whole bunch of evidence out there. You know, there's all this talk about deficiencies in a plant based diet and B12. If you're having enough live living foods and you're getting enough bacteria, then you are going to most likely get enough B12 in your diet. You, you make B12 in your mouth. Like it's pretty interesting where you actually make it in all different parts of the body. So the the vitamins definitely change. I will just say sleep. Like if you have to just choose one thing, holy moly, go to bed early and get up early. Uh, last night we were asleep by I was asleep by eight thirty. You were asleep by eight fifteen. And wasn't it eight? We woke up at quarter to five. Yeah, so nine hours. But we were in bed earlier for me. At eight o'clock we're in bed. Yeah, and that for us is. Super important. And man, do we feel the difference if we have a late night, mm. don't we? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So different. Late being like 9.30. <laughs> so definitely get your sleep dialed in. It's super important. Next question. What type of exercise do you do and how do you find the right type for you? Really important because whether you're a pitta, kapha or vata, you're going to require different types of exercise. So I think it comes back to tuning in what feels really good for you and what you know energizes you. I don't think anyone should be doing exercise where they're literally totally depleted. There's a difference between like, whew, I worked out. And then there's like- On the floor. Like chronic fatigue on the floor after. And I think that's really important. So right now for me, I'm loving walking and Pilates and that's all I do. I've gone through stages where I've done high intensity interval training five days a week and gave myself adrenal fatigue. But, you know, it's really important you find what works for you. And right now some Pilates and walking is just really working for me. Get tuned into your body type. As Melissa mentioned, the Vada Pitta Kapha. And if you look at each one, Vata, for example, I believe everyone should be doing some sort of resistance training. So there's some sort of load on the body because it helps maintain healthy bones, right? And it could just mean in the morning when you get up, you, you may do some knee push-ups or some push-ups and some squats 
you know. I'm actually looking forward to Leo coming back because oh, yeah. when Leo's here, we do a little challenge. We do 100 push-ups a day. So funny. And it's like it's so up. good. So he ke- he holds me accountable. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But we then went through a stage where we did 100 push-ups, 100 squats, 100 sit-ups. Sit-ups. And he did it every day. Yeah. So on the school holidays, we usually do that. It's really fun. He'd be ripped by the end of the school holidays. So looking at different body types, the Vata body type, for example, as I said, some sort of resistance training really important just for overall health, some sort of steady, steady state, so walking or gentle running, right? And something which moves your body across a range of movements. So you're doing mobility work. Like I notice for me personally, if I'm not doing rolling and yoga and different things, I stiffen up. But for the Vata body type, if you are doing any sort of resistance training, you definitely want to be doing things that don't exhaust the nervous system. Right, so it could be three sets of ten to twelve, and you're going to eighty percent of your exertion. Right, but if you're a pizza, you could be doing five sets of five, for example, because you can really max out your nervous system as a pitta if you've got the adrenal strength. Whereas for a kapha, if you do any too much resistance training, you can put on too much muscle mass because you're going to basically you're in a state of anabolism more frequently. Right, so. Kapha is really, like if you're going to do it, it's light and it's much higher reps and more steady state movement. Like for Kapha body types, cardio is amazing, right? So just be really mindful of your body type and choose something accordingly. How do you deal with PMS mood lows and partner not understanding? We've laughed Mm. about this quite a lot because about a week before Melissa gets her monthly cycle, her mood definitely changes. And I forget every single month. But not always. But this is the thing I want to talk to is that you shouldn't be getting PMS. No, that's right. You should not be getting PMS. It's it's your period should come and it's like, oh, I'm bleeding. But also, you know, if you are, don't be hard on yourself. because No, we- because I, I get PMS. I fully get PMS. I get aches. Not all the time I get aches. I get bloating. But I just interviewed Elisa Vietti, who wrote Women Code and In the Flow. I interviewed her yesterday. And she told me, and so many people have told me, Nat Gringudis, Lara Bryden, all the doctors, all the experts that I've had on my podcast, everyone that I've ever interviewed say that PMS is you should not be getting excruciating pain. You should not be getting highs and lows. You should not be getting cramps and you know, all these sorts of things, they are a manifestation of something that needs looking at. Generally toxicity as well. Yeah. So, and, and it's an invitation to look at what's going on. So I know for me, if I have on my first day, if I feel exhausted and if I feel bloated and irritable, that's usually a reflection that I've been pushing too hard that month. I've been a little bit stressed or I've been going too hard. And that's my indicator. And I think it's really important that if you're having these PMS symptoms that you dig deeper, you go and get some tests or go see a naturopath or you know, a functional medicine practitioner and you look at why because it could be very simple. Like it could be like a just a mineral imbalance. You know, adding some magnesium or something and could fully balance you out. Yeah, I think as well, if, if toxicity is a, is a problem as well, then one thing that's really easy to do is go, okay, what part of our body is most supportive when it comes to reducing toxicity? Well, it's the liver, 
right? What can we do to help the liver? I think one of the things which, especially for people plant-based and even if you're not plant-based, like wherever you go to a healthy, you know, organic cafe or something, in the fridge section, you'll see these desserts a lot of the time, like raw desserts, these sorts of things, and they're packed full of fats. And I think that in general, most people, we fall into this like on the extreme side during keto, but too much fat. And the liver just wants a break. It wants a chance to do other things. So if you can just not have any fat for breakfast, for example, and then just watch your fat consumption. Don't have a whole avocado, have a quarter. You know, Be mindful of your fat consumption. Give the liver a chance because when you have fat, you produce bile. When you produce bile, you stop detoxifying pretty much, right? So I think that could be a general across the board tip because we live in a world which we are exposed to toxins and we need to do everything we can to support it. And I think that's one simple thing we can try as well. Beautiful. Next question is, how do you bring more yin into your essence? Mother nature. (laughs) Okay. I talk a lot about this in Open Wide. I talk about unleashing your God essence, which is that beautiful feminine yin essence. So I give you so many tips and tricks and tools and ways that you can bring more yin into your essence. So make sure you read that. So just off the top of my head, there's a couple of things that you can do, definitely getting into nature, dancing, moving your hips, you know, just even just in your bedroom by yourself smiling, singing, and just feel meditation, cooking, feeling my body soften and relax. There's some ways, but definitely check out Open Wide and read all the stuff on unleashing your inner God essence. There's two people you could have a look at on Instagram, actually. Your friend Sally, Sally Douglas. You see her stories where she's doing this beautiful, super feminine dance. Yes. It's stunning. You know, it's Make just... sure you follow her. She's incredible. And then Jay Kimber, who was in my music video, In a Love. Jay has just launched a, I think it's called Feminine Fire, a dance. Femfire. Femfire, dance class online. Yes. Things like that. Check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yep. Okay, next question. What's a good way to earth or ground during winter? Good question, Nicole. I think... For us, you know, we live in a place that doesn't get too cold in winter. Like we don't have snow outside. So in winter, we still get outside. We do walks, we do hikes, we still swim, we still lay on the beach, we get our feet onto the grass, the sand. So where we live is. In Sydney, though. I mean, yes. so in Sydney, I, I don't have as much opportunity. I would have to say that, to be honest, it's probably not a strength of mine during winter. Now I think about it, I do feel very ungrounded in Sydney in general, but much less so in in summer because I'm walking down to the beach with Leo and we're, you know, barefoot in the sand. We don't get that in winter. I used to actually sauna and then run straight out and swim every day through winter, but because we moved and I've got to walk like an extra 50 meters, I've become super lazy. (laughs) So I think all the same rules apply for grounding. You just got to do them. Now, you could actually get things like grounding mats and things like that if that helps during winter. If you're in a really cold area, maybe something like that could be helpful as well. And those juve lights? Yep, juve, J-O-O-V, isn't it? Yeah. So there's lots you can do, but really grounding comes down to Mother Nature. So how can you connect with Mother Nature and get your skin and get, even when it's cold, you can still get sun on your face, Mm. right? Which gets you in harmony with nature cycles. Yeah. And even in winter, like having your blinds open. So like the sun is coming in through 
the windows, things like that. Just do that as much as possible. And even I find having plants in the house and the office really grounding as well. It's not the same, but yeah, just try and get outside as much as you can. But essential oils, I haven't thought about that. But you are bringing Mother Nature into your house when you diffuse essential oils or mm. if you wear them. So you just diffuse the grounding oils? Like, I mean, I wear vetiver. Frankincense. Or, well, I wear vetiver aromatouch. That's my blend. 70% vetiver, 10% aromatouch, 20% fractionated coconut oil. If you want to make up a little roller bottle for your male companions, it's a very masculine, beautiful blend. I find that super grounding because it's mainly vetiver-based. Diffuse essential oils. In fact, we just launched a new site where you can learn more about it, mywellnessessentials.net. That's where we get our oils from. All right, next question. Lee, I would love some more information on how and when you use your acupressure mat. So she's probably seen on Instagram that I have an acumat, hmm. which I'll link to, and we have it out next to us. And so we just walk on it whenever we're getting up from our office to go downstairs. It's and- actually at the top of the stairs, so we have to walk past it. Yeah. And you kind of just stop, and it's a beautiful mindfulness thing to do to just stop, to take a few breaths, to breathe. Nick likes laying on it, but there's no rules. So as far as I'm aware, it's just whenever you feel to. I do take it downstairs sometimes. And if we're watching some TV or something, I might just lie on it for literally like two or three minutes. I love standing on it barefoot. Oh my God, it feels so good. So it's good. the best. All right, next question is love from Brooke. Nick, you were recently sick. What did you use to support your body like supplements and foods? I want to preface this by saying one thing. I don't think I was sick. I was having a healing reaction. I think this is really important because it shifts our perspective on when we don't feel well. Because sick is a very strong word. But our body's not sick. Our body's always doing its best. And a lot of people say, I'm sick. That's a powerful mantra. I am sick. I am sick. Whoa. So whenever Leo says, I'm sick, I'm like, no, you're not. You're just not feeling 100%. So we reframe it as not feeling 100% right now. And that's okay. So be careful because the universe is listening. Mm. And every time you say, I am sick, that's a powerful, powerful affirmation to send out to the universe. So before we jump into supplements and foods and things, let's just try a mantra. I trust my body, mind, soul, and spirit to keep me safe and well. Simple. Like replace that thought with that mantra. Uh, I find that really useful because it enables me to drop into trust with my beautiful temple, my body, my messenger, right? And replace the mantra, I'm sick too. I'm healing. that, I'm I'm healing or, yeah. I trust my body. I trust my body. Just really be mindful of that, especially with your kids. So in terms of supplements and foods, it really depends on what's happening. I mean, I was going through a, a pretty serious, nasty gut infection and it could have come from... I swam in an area where there was a sewage contamination. I didn't know. It could have been that. It could have been from a piece of spinach that for some reason had some E. coli on it and I didn't wash it properly. It doesn't really matter. The point is that something funky got in there and really messed me up for a while. So I used essential oils like thyme, oregano, and clove, which I found really supportive. I also was putting drops of grapefruit seed extract in my water in the morning. That's just kind of like a sterilizer. Really, it's what it does. It acts like a sterilizer. It goes through and just knocks out stuff. And I was taking acidophilus as well because acidophilus is one bacteria which acts as a sterilizer. 
And we can link to the one that you use in the show notes. And you also did Symphony of the Cells. Yeah, so we love Symphony of the Cells. And again, what you put on your skin is very important. That's why we only use the doTERRA brand of essential oils because we believe they're the purest and we love them. So we've just loved it. We love Symphony of the Cells because we also get to touch each other, you know. And we just got a massage table, which is so good. We used to have one and we'd give each other massages every morning. And now we've got a massage table again. And I'm so excited. This morning I got a massage and I gave Nick Symphony of the Cells. It's so good. But other than that, it was really upping things like vitamin C, bringing in olive leaf extract, you know, just just really the basics, but just dialing in on sleep and just being really mindful of what's happening. Again, like I sound a bit nasally. I mean, my body's doing something. It knows what to do. I trust it. It's all good. All right. Next question. Melissa, do you still get cold sores? And if no, how did you keep this virus at bay? We were actually chatting about Mm. this the other day. I have not had a cold sore in years. And it is, you know, how have I kept this at bay? I mean, I've done 45 billion things. It's holistic. It's It's holistic. So sleep, meditation, diet, quitting alcohol, stress management, happiness, being on purpose. There's so many things that I've done to keep this. I don't even feel like it's at bay. I just don't even feel like it's part of me anymore. Yeah. And there's lots of foods out there which apparently feed viruses, eggs being one of them actually. So obviously being plant-based, we don't have eggs anymore, but just be mindful what you're putting in your body. And it is it is completely holistic. Yes, you can't. There's not just one thing that I did. I did so many different things. But when we first met and she did get a, the occasional one, I think maybe you've had about four since we met. In six in, years. The, in the first year, 18 months. Mm. And I remember one was so big and we called it, gave it a nickname because it was like its own entity. It's like its own mm, continent. It's huge. We called it the turtle. It was massive. It was like a turtle, turtle shell. You can also check out Medical Medium stuff on viruses, which is really great. So read all of his books too. They're awesome. This next one's easy. Melissa, does Nick snore? If yes, how do you cope? No, he does not snore. I always say that Nick is the most beautiful sleeper. He really is. Like He's one of those sleepers that like his mouth is just perfectly closed. And you know how some people are ugly sleepers, like mouth open, (laughs) like face scrunched up, like Nick is a beautiful sleeper. Like there's no drooling, there's no snoring. He's just, his mouth is always closed. I look at him and I'm like, how do you do that? Well, you do it too. Do I? Yeah, but I've got earplugs in and an eye mask on. If you're really exhausted, I've seen you snore. What? Yeah. No, I have. But it's not, not like it's not long snoring. No, it'd be like a like a and grunt. You, and you usually wake yourself up. Yeah, it would. No, I would never snore like consistently. No, and you've only done that maybe ten times in a whole life. I've never snored. I'm going to take grunted. as a snore. That is not a snore. We're talking about. I've snoring. nudged you once. I've nudged you once. Snoring. I gave you an elbow once because it went off about a minute. I was like, no. I have no idea. What you're so about. to be honest. A minute annoyed me, so I don't know how people live with a whole. Seriously. Yeah. But snoring, there's there's deeper things. It's not just about snoring. So if you or your partner do snore, there's deeper stuff going on that needs to be looked at and addressed. So it's not just about the snoring. So go deeper. Maybe, you know, have a session with Stephen Cabral or some other naturopath or functional medicine practitioner. Okay, so next question is from Nikki. How did you break from Bulletproof 
And what are your thoughts on coffee and caffeine? So Nikki's referring to bulletproof coffee, obviously, and that whole sort of philosophy of eating. Well, we just stopped, number one, but Bulletproof Coffee, I did an entire episode on that, episode number 53 of the Nick Broadhurst Show, Why I Broke Up with Bulletproof Coffee. Go and listen to it. It's so good. Yeah. It's a slippery slope, that one. I don't think we'll get into too much detail here because, yeah, there's a lot to it. Go and check out that episode. All right. Emily wants to know, Melissa, what was the best tool that you've used to overcome PTSD? And that's specifically in relation to probably Jess passing away. Mm -hmm. Where I definitely had PTSD. I think for about two years. Yeah. And two things that really helped me through that was meditation and also TRE, trauma release exercise. It's a very easy thing that you can learn so just cool. on YouTube and it is incredible. So definitely look at that trauma release exercise. And as well, Symphony of the Cells. I would definitely do Symphony of the Cells. If you're wondering what that is, we'll link to it. But it's essentially a way of using essential oils on the body. It's so cool. Okay. Are there any oils to help Lyme's disease? I've spoken about Lyme's before. I get this a lot. This is one of the most frequently asked questions I get in my Instagram inbox is about Lyme disease. I think I mentioned it like once and I think now, like, I don't know, people just think I'm like the Lyme guy. I'm not. I don't actually subscribe to Lyme disease as a real thing. And that might sound really out there. Because for a lot of people, being given a diagnosis of Lyme feels very, very real. And often it's nice for our ego to grab onto something and be like, that's it, I've got Lyme disease, and that's my identity, right? I kind of did that a little bit. And again, actually, Anthony William has a really interesting take on Lyme. But whether or not you think it's a real thing or not, it's holistic. If you go after one thing in the body, whether it's antibiotics or whatever you do, you're going to create imbalance somewhere else. We saw this with Melissa. She was treated for SIBO with antibiotics. And it did nothing. Well, it made it worse. It made it a lot worse, but it actually did other things. So, and that's because they were aggressive, like dropping in. In fact, I think the person even said it's like dropping a nuclear bomb in there. And we just thought that was the answer. Oh my God, SIBO. Now, my gosh, we think totally differently about that stuff. Holy moly. Because we've learned and educated ourselves so much on it. But yeah, looking back, we're like, why did we do that? Just don't drop bombs. Don't drop bombs on things. Of course, there's a time and a place. There could be a bomb that's needed for something very serious, you know. But for me personally, Lyme disease, it's a holistic approach to creating a body that's well on all levels. And then the body knows how to deal with stuff. That's my personal non-doctor recommendation. Okay, next question's from Bridie. Can you please do a podcast on your experience with depression? Episode 26, My Depression Confession, and episode 25, I Think I Was Enlightened. It's obviously a long story and too long for this episode, but our previous interview together on this podcast. Yes. That was a great one. That was called My Plant-Based Transformation. And we'll link to all of these in the show notes so that you have all of them there. That's serious homework to do, haven't you? (laughs) Okay, next question is from Paris. Can you please give us your top tips for toxic-free cleaning and household products? Well, the funny thing is in the kitchen, the only time we use a product in the kitchen is dishwashing powder, which is a natural one by Kinkin. Yeah, or we've made it we in make the past. It. We use a dishwashing detergent, but only really when it's needed because we don't use, we don't cook with oils. 
We don't have animal fats. So very rarely do we need any suds, right? It's just like you rinse things, right? We just rinse things, really. And in terms of bench tops, we only use water. Because we can't. We've got a marble bench top and you cannot use anything on it. But then we have an essential oil product that I made up to clean inside our bins. But that's basically it. So it's really important. Like we use essential oils around our house. You know, I clean the bathroom, I clean the toilet with essential oils, all of our beautiful products. And I think it's really important that, you know, we were chatting about this on our walk last night. Once you step outside of your house, you don't really have control over the toxic exposure that you are exposed to, you know, from pollution, from cars and other people's perfumes and things like that. So when you're inside your home, you need to be 100%. There's no room for error in your house. Because as soon as you step foot out, you cannot control what you're exposed to out there. So we use a lot of essential oils. We'll link to the ones that we use in the show notes. And please make sure your home is as toxic-free as you possibly can. Next question is more related to beauty. And this is probably for you. How do you get your teeth so white? Well, I do coconut oil oil pulling every morning. So organic coconut oil, a tablespoon of organic coconut oil in my mouth with a drop of peppermint oil. And I swish that around for however long. You know, I do it whilst I'm making my breakfast or I'm getting ready. Five, ten, just depends, however long. And then once my breakfast is ready, I spit that out into the bin. Catherine wants to know, what brands or products do you use for everything from makeup? So I love two brands, Erie Perez and Inica. And I've actually done a blog post on how to use the makeup that I have. So I'll link to that in the show notes. It's a makeup masterclass, which you can check out. It's an awesome video. But the two favorite brands are Iri Perez and Inica. I have three things in my makeup kit. So I have an Inica powder. I have an Inica blush, an Inica mascara, and that, and an Iri Perez eyebrow gel. I have four things in my makeup bag and that's it. But you don't use them very often. No, I, the last time I wore makeup, I think was, oh, we had a photo shoot. I had a photo shoot on Tuesday for Wild Olive. And a wedding a few weeks ago. And a wedding a few weeks ago. But during the week, I might wear makeup once. When you say, I think it's more like just mascara. Just mascara, yeah. Yeah. I prefer when Melissa doesn't wear it. I don't, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's a male thing. I just like it natural. Yeah. And there was a time where I had, acne and I had eczema on my face and I had hives and I had cold sores and I prayed. I prayed for a time where I could leave the house without piling makeup all over my face because I had zero confidence because of what was going on. And I used to pray that I would just be able to walk out of the house with no makeup on. And I thought that day would never come. And I remember, do you remember years ago, I remember telling you this story and I said- Yeah, about the mirrors. Yeah. And I couldn't believe, like, I was like, I'm at that place. I'm at that place where I can walk out of the house and not put a single thing on my face. And I've dreamt and prayed for this day for so many years and I was finally there. But 
I had to do a lot of gut healing and a lot of work to get to that place. And those things like acne and cold sores, they're manifestations of what's going on inside. So look a little deeper. But yeah, just I just wanted to preface that because I used to cake on makeup. Yeah. Cake it on. Even a bit when we first met, you were still clearing up some stuff then, weren't you? Yes, this was six years ago and I still was having really bad breakouts yeah. and I would pile on the makeup and I remember you just said to me, what are you doing? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not it's kind something of, I do every day now. certainly seems counterproductive to put makeup on top of bad skin. Especially toxic makeup, Doesn't guys. It? Another thing, like please make sure you're getting organic, clean products on your face. And, you know, in terms of clear skin, sunshine, is important as well, vitamin D. Yes, because there's another question about what are your favorite tips for clear, beautiful skin. So like I said, gut health, toxic-free products, making sure you're eating clean food, happiness, mother nature, sunshine, swimming in the ocean. Understanding your body type, like if you know you're a pitta body type, which is generally more fiery, if you exacerbate that fire, it can come out as inflammation through the skin, which is pimples, right? So what would be an example of that? It might be drinking too much caffeine as a pitta, having too much chili as a pitta, making that too much internal heat. And it has to come out and be expressed somewhere. Often that's through the face and the skin and giving you pimples. So understanding your body type is a really fantastic way of having clear skin as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's holistic. Absolutely. Everything is. Okay, let's move to some finance questions. Any advice for cultivating money when you're young? She's only 21, so she wants to know about how to cultivate money in abundance when you're young. Firstly, I just want to say that's amazing. Yeah, you're asking the this presence and the awareness. Yeah, yeah, because if you get this now, awesome. Yeah, well, oh my god, it's a big question. Actually, I would say to Fleur, who's asked this question, I would say read The Barefoot Investor. I really think, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it's definitely an Australian book, but all the same rules apply all around the world, right? Just find different banks, but Barefoot Investor will give you what you need, to be honest. If you want some books around mindset, there is another one called How to Make One Hell of a Profit and Still Get Into Heaven, I think it's called, by Dr. John Demartini, which has got some great mindset stuff in there. And he's been on my podcast. He has. And then, in fact, we're addressing money mindset in a big way in our book that we're doing together, which comes out September 2020. Yes, it's all about how to create location and financial freedom. And there's a whole chapter on money mindset and how to rewrite your money story and to cultivate a beautiful relationship with money and abundance. So, Fleur, you're going to love that book. It's out September 2020. How do you manage your finances? Do you budget? Well, this is interesting. Things have changed here a lot for us too. We do talk about this in the book as well. So just so you know, it's coming out. We give our whole money story, everything. Now, I mean, it's interesting because we have lots of different businesses and income coming in from lots of different places, which again, we teach in the book. Um, We're very transparent about, you know, the way we make money. Now we have more goals that we are sort of specific with what we want to achieve financially. We just work towards those goals. We're obviously fortunate to have been able to create a really, you know, beautiful, abundant lifestyle. We're not gazillionaires or anything, but got a great life. So a lot of those sort of basic needs of budgeting and stuff have sort of gone away. But 
we still do it to some degree. We're still in our profit and loss statements in our businesses and doing cash flow forecasts and watching things carefully. We are really, really, really mindful of how we spend money, I would say. Like if we buy something, something has to be sold in the house. That's a rule that we have. We're very mindful of how we spend money and what we spend money on. I think that's probably the best tip we have at the moment from our perspective is you know, we, we don't buy a lot of stuff. Like we just built a house and yes, that's expensive and you have to fill it with beautiful things and whatever. That costs money. But now that we've done that, like when do we buy anything? I mean, I've got two singlets and they've got holes all through them. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I love them, so I just keep wearing them. In fact, I've got three singlets. One of them has got is so worn in the top singlet part that it's, I don't know, it's got threads. Do we budget though? We don't budget as such. We don't have a, we don't have an f- official budget. We have ways that we move our money around, and that's all. It's a bit complex because it's all in accordance with trusts and tax, and it's hard to explain on a podcast. We don't have a budget where we try and stick to something. We just literally try and spend as little as possible. Well, she's kind of asked, how do we manage our finances? Let's give a couple of the things that we do. We use Receipt Bank and yes. just some practical things that we do, which we talk about in the book. We use Receipt Bank. We use Zero. We have a bookkeeper, you know, and we, Nick and I have a monthly money meeting together. So Nick and I sit down together and we look at the profit and loss statements and we look at everything and make sure that we are across everything. And our bookkeeper is on is on Voxer, so we chat quite a bit. So I'm more in touch with that sort of stuff because that's just sort of my role in the businesses at the moment. And then Melissa and I just go through the high-level stuff together. But the things you mentioned are really powerful. Our receipt bank's amazing. It's a game oh, changer. It's game changing. Zero, and, of course. And also zero. They're so good. Yeah. Because I used to have like shoeboxes full of receipts and now I don't even take the receipt home with me from the shop or the petrol station. But again, this comes back. I would definitely read Barefoot Investor. I'd also read Unshakable by Tony Robbins. Really fantastic book and read our book when it comes out. Okay, next question. Can you tell us more about your new book? Funny that. Yes, we can. It is all about how to create location and financial freedom. We cannot tell you the title yet, but it is an epic book that is all about how to create location and financial freedom. And we kind of start the book talking about how we're, the average age for, you know, someone to live is 79 years. And we talk about how when you break it down, you know, you spend 13 years working, you spend four years on emails. And when you- Five years on social media. Five years on social media, guys. That's crazy. I wonder how many years you spend listening to podcasts. Well, do we have that statistic in there? That's a good thing. We should, we, yeah, it's a really good thing. Yeah. So we break it down. And then once you're left, you're only left with two years. Two years after you like put all of that in. And so we talk about how to reclaim your life and how to make the most of those 79 years and squeeze the most juice out of your life. And we teach you exactly how to do that. So every chapter literally is right, done this, done this, done this. Cool. You just got back this many years or this many months or whatever. It's really, really powerful stuff. It's not just about location, financial freedom. There's a lot more to it than that. We're just giving you a very high level, but also how to make more years to go beyond the 79, right? Maybe 100 or more. 
120 I'm going for. Pretty good. Every time we're writing, we're like, oh, this is so good. It's so good. We're so excited. And this is our first book that we have written together, which is super exciting. So, And that's going to come with an epic live event in September as well. And Melissa's written almost her, all of her part. I already did mine like a month ago. And mm. yeah, I like fin- I smashed mine out. He's like nowhere near finished. Drag in the heels. Not because I don't the heels. Not because I don't want to. It's just I've had other things that I've had to do. Totally. But this is this is how I work. This is how my pitter works. Like she I sit down it. and I just go and I just get it done. Yeah, I'm just so, so driven. And this is very prolific. I respect that about you. Family and parenting stuff. Do you have a good co-parenting relationship with Leo's mother? Looking for some tips. Okay, so I think this is a question from Nicole. I think blended families are very common now. Yeah, it's very common. Very common. I remember when I was in primary school, there was like one person in my class who had separated parents and it was like, wow, that was that was very rare. And now it's so common. So I think I will write a book on this one day, maybe after this one. I will write a book on parenting and co-parenting because I've learned so much. And I think there's two things that have really helped me. And that is that what happens in the other home, you just have to completely surrender and let go and trust that it is the child or the children's journey, you know, and that I can't make them wrong and me right. And we have to just trust that that child is on its own path and own journey. And I think respect is a huge thing. I think that is my number one tip is just respect for the other family and how they choose to do things because there's no right and no wrong. If we start saying they're wrong and I'm right, that's going to lead to suffering. doesn't mean you're not triggered by stuff still though. Like there's no. still triggers. Yeah. I, still I preferences. Yeah. I sometimes still get triggered, but at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it. And so that's insanity. Like it's actually insanity. Like stressing and worrying about something that you cannot hmm. do anything about, it's crazy. I had a, a turning point with this early on in our relationship where <laughs> I was really at loggerheads with Leo's mum over certain things that I believe to be right. And coming back to being right, you know, it's insidious. And all of a sudden I was like, I had this moment after a phone call that was really heated. I was like, oh my God, I've been trying to make her wrong this whole time. And since I already know there's no such thing as right or wrong, that's ridiculous. And I was like, I surrender completely. I just let go literally overnight, didn't I? Like you noticed it. Literally, like instant he just, shift. Like that, let go. And I just, my whole relationship with her changed, which is great for Leo as well. And all of a sudden, I saw through all that anger and I was like, oh, she's actually an amazing mom. Look at all this stuff she does for him, you know? Like, would I do that that way? No, I'd do it differently, but that's okay. He's getting a different spectrum of experiences. But I want to say when there's something that I do feel strongly about and I want to communicate that, I still do communicate my preferences, but I do them from a place of 
love. That is what's changed. Like, you know, I'm very careful to respond to anything unless it's coming from a really beautiful place. And it's changed everything. I know if I react to a text message or something without thinking or doing it from the right place, I get a reaction back. But if I- It's like anyone. Yeah. If I communicate from the heart, I get a heart response back. Totally. Like, it's just being smart about it. And I think coming back to both families have a common interest, and that is the child or children. And all of you want nothing but love and happiness for that child. So it's about putting aside your crap and just making sure that that child feels nothing but love and happiness because it's not fair that they get caught in the middle of this. And I think that respect, you know, respect is huge. And you're all in this together. You're all floundering together. You're all trying to navigate it together. And that doesn't mean you have to be super close. Doesn't mean you have to never speak. It's just finding what works for you. But I think remembering that they're doing their best, you're doing your best, and that's all that matters. And the most important thing is what what is most important, being right or being happy? Coming back to that same mantra. There are some decisions that are made with children that can really impact them and impact their health, things that we have to do as parents or don't have to do without being too specific. And you can have a very strong preference towards something, right? But if you can go to your partner or, sorry, your ex-partner, and you can say, look, we're on different sides of the fence here, and that's okay. Like, we have completely opposite views on this. But would you be open to sitting down and having a really honest chat about it and just expressing to each other why we feel the way we feel and seeing if we can find a middle ground? Because some topics are very divisive when it comes to kids, right? And, you know, they're big decisions. And we want to come to the right decision and make it feel good for everyone. And you can only do that if you find a way to communicate from the heart and find common ground. Not always easy to do when it comes to divorces and things like that. But man, it's good. It's spiritual work. It's full spiritual work. Yeah, great question though. Next question was asked about 10 times. So we're going to do it in one question. Do we want to have children together? We definitely see. Maybe one or two children in the future, don't we? Yes, we do. Moving on to the last category, which is just general questions. And this question is, what is the one thing you both will be gifting to others this festive season? Besides your amazing show, of course, which I love so much. Gifting others. Interesting question. We don't really... (laughs) Our belief is we don't really believe in buying gifts and over consuming. And so at Christmas time, we don't give physical gifts. We give an experience to Leo. So we will, you know, one year he got tickets to One Direction concert or, and we all went together. Another year he got a flight to somewhere. Oh, we went to Greece. We went to Greece. Another year he got- Treetop climbing and stuff like that. Adventures. We do our gifts to Leo our experiences. We don't believe in purchasing and buying more stuff. That's our preference and our belief. So what I'm personally going to be gifting others this festive season is 
my love, my time, my energy, good food, you know. This time of year is a really beautiful time to give people your undivided attention. That's the best gift you can give anyone. I just did a Monday motivation episode on it. Talking about the greatest gift you can give anyone is just your full presence. So I'm going to be gifting lots of my love, my time, my heart, my ears to listen, and lots of delicious, beautiful food. Yeah, I second that. I just want to be present with you and Leo, really, and with our family. Yeah. Okay, next question. What happened to the goddess groups? Now, the goddess groups were something Melissa used to do every fortnight. Was it for two years? I ran the goddess group every fortnight. It was a live event for 40 people. Yeah. Really intimate. And it was a talk on a specific topic. Now, it's funny you ask this question because we have this incredible library because they were all filmed called Goddess Group On Demand. And we haven't done anything with it for quite a few years. And I was just thinking, my gosh, that is such good content just sitting there. I know. Crazy. So, so we'll bring it back We're out. We're going to do something with it next so year. It's so incredible. Yeah, something next year we'll do something with it. So keep an eye on that. And this is the last question. Last question is, when is your TED Talk coming out and your interview on Eleanor Brower's podcast? I don't know when my interview with Eleanor Brower is coming out. You'll have to ask her. Just send her a message on Instagram and ask her. But my TED Talk should be out in February. To be honest, I am like a little bit, shocked at how long it's taking. <laughs> and it's a little go bit, through, it has to go through a lot of channels. It does. Well, firstly, it has to get edited and then it has to get sent to TED and then it has to get put up on the site and yada, yada, yada. It's a process. I could so, do all those things in literally like 10 minutes. I know. So I think it's more the approval thing. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm a little bit shocked that it's taking this long, but oh my gosh, don't worry. When my TED Talk is out, you will not miss it. I will be putting it on my social media or put it on my website so you will see it. And I'm so excited for you to see it. Oh my goodness. And that was the last question, but I want to ask one more question, which is just a nice way to round out this episode because we are at the end of the year and we're heading into 2020, start of a new decade. It's big time, right? And we've got really big goals next year. Let's talk about next year a little bit. If you could achieve... Just one thing next year in your career, what would it be? Something that stretches you. For our book to hit the New York Times bestseller list. I think it's got a good chance. Woohoo! Yeah, for me, I would like to tour around Scandinavia. It's pretty awesome. It's just calling me. Yeah, we've got some really exciting things planned for 2020. Lots of great episodes coming up on the podcast. We've got the book coming out. The tour that goes with that in September. We've got our show that we're working on. Nick's going to be releasing so much more epic music. Been a bit, of a bit of a delay on some of that, actually. I just wanted to say that I was going to release every six weeks, but my label changed the strategy on that one a little bit. So next song's probably coming out in February and there should be some remixes in between now and then. So there will be more music, but we are, the next song is called Breathe. It's so beautiful. It's so good. I love it. And it comes out in February. So yeah, a lot more music next year and I'm going to be writing like nothing else Like, because that is my sole intention next year is to just to write, 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 write. Yeah. It's We're going to be great super here. excited for next year. It's going to be so much fun. So wishing you an amazing 2020. We hope you've had a great 
2019. We hope that the Melissa Rossini show has been supportive for you. I know that, you know, I sit here and I hear her doing these interviews and I just think, oh my gosh, like there's so much good content out there. And you should be getting close towards, by the time this comes out, 10 million downloads. I know, which was a big goal of mine for this year that I really wanted to achieve and hit. So thank you so much, guys, for listening and for tuning in and for sharing and for leaving a review and for, you know, posting on social media. I screenshot almost every single one of your Instagram stories when you post you listening to my podcast. It means the absolute world to me. I'm so glad that you love this show and you love the yin and yang episodes. They're so much fun. I love doing them. And we hope you got a lot out of today. It's a long episode, two and a half hours. (laughs) I can't believe we've been sitting here. It feels like we've just been sitting here for 10 minutes. I know. Must have been having fun. We have been having fun. So we have to go now. We've got some friends coming over for lunch. Andy and Katie from Blue Blocks, which is going to be super fun. And we love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. And we hope you got a lot out of today's episode. I absolutely love doing these yin and yang Q&As for you. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. Don't forget to go and check out the other two yin and yang Q&As that we've done before. And if you did enjoy it, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. And for everything that Nick and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 263. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, Don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.